0: He's wrestled the biggest and the baddest. But now, he's about to face... What the heck was that? The toughest fight of all. Kids.
1: All you have to do is protect them. I hate kids.
2: Just want to get rid of the last, Nanny. He brings home a bodyguard.
1: I don't want anything to happen to Sean. What
2: could possibly happen?
1: They're small...
2: your Blue Cross is paid
0: up. I can handle myself. They're me.
3: Electromagnetic. Oh.
0: And they've got the place wired.
2: It's only the voltage. Can't kill him. I think we're getting to him. I can't believe this fearless giant is cowering because of two little innocent children.
0: They would do anything to get rid of him.
2: Oops.
3: triple And flower. I've had
0: it! And just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, real troubles showed up. Like the family I never had
2: and never wanted!
0: and left Our feet is in. with the kids. Now, he's got to bring them back because he's not just a babysitter. He's Mr. Nanny. You
2: gotta admit, he's one tough mother.
0: I got a job to do, and I'm doing it.
2: You have to kiss Dolly.
0: I don't kiss Dolly's. Kiss her. Don't tell anybody I did that. New Line Cinema presents Hulk Hogan. Both of you, to the principal's office. Mayor. Some things never change. As you've never seen him before. Keep
2: the back straight. Make the arms a bow.
4: Mr.
0: Nanny. He's no more, Mr. Nice Guy. Get
5: that pinky up.
4: Let's do it, baby. Come on.
5: Oak-a-mania. Oh,
1: come Yeah, we're gonna do this. Hey, brother. I okay, can't... and welcome everyone back to another episode of Cynical Podcast. I am your host, Cordell. Joining me is my best friend, Luke. What's up, man? Hey, I'm your best friend? Oh, my God. I totally yep.
4: forgot my opening.
1: i Mad love, bro. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I'm feeling the
4: love, brother. Hokamania. I have made Cordell watch shitty Jason movies. And now (laughs) I'm paying for my sins.
1: Oh, yes, you are. So, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you another movie that you've probably never heard of in your life. We are reviewing the oh what year was this 1993 uh family comedy starring hulk Hogan brother uh mr nanny
4: hey, what do you even say to that i don't even know what to say i don't have anything funny to say but <laughs>
1: Jesus christ all right well, let's, but let's put... before we get into that me and uh luke were kind of in the middle of an argument
4: Not in our, oh, okay. We're doing what you've been watching, right? And we're going to talk right off the bat. We're going to talk about the My Bloody Valentine fan film, uh, which is called Valentine Bluffs, right? Okay, that Cordell watched. But before Cordell talks about it, we were just talking about My Bloody Valentine. And what was I saying, Cordell? Yes, the strength of that movie. Is that the characters are so goddamn likable, right? Like, so you know that movie by heart, right, Cordo,
1: Pretty much. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you can If you catch me watching that movie alone, you're probably gonna hear. <laughs> oh my god, that's
4: disturbing. <laughs> but can you tell me of like a better friend in a slasher film than Hollis? I love Hollis, right? Hollis, Hollis is, is a good friend. man, and even um, who's his girlfriend? Uh, Patty, right? Like, they're great characters. They're like. Uh, the, uh, the
1: dress whole, right here I, dress up down to here i don't know if i get out alive
4: and that's funny because like the dress she's wearing is like not like revealing at all
1: <laughs> no it's not but it, it was the only time in the movie she looked attractive
4: <laughs> a stupid canucks but
1: <laughs> oh oh hey
4: sorry canadian listeners all two of you up in saskatchewan or whatever Anyway, My Bloody Valentine is a really great movie, regardless of whether you see the cut version or not. Although you shouldn't watch the cut version. But my point is, Cordell, is I think the strength of the actors and characters and the fact that all these people are so goddamn likable really carries it. And why there was a fan base, even, you know, for years, you couldn't even see the unrated cut. What do you think of that theory? (sighs)
1: Sure. (laughs) You just you just like Fitball fired that shit at me. So I was like, uh, uh okay, sure. We'll go with that. You know? Uh,
4: but they are a really likable bunch of people though.
1: Oh yeah. Most of them are. I don't know about the Joker.
4: I see the one that gets, um, boiled in the hot dog.
1: No, and... he's the one that when they, fi- like when his death scene comes, his body falls and it hangs him. But like the force, like rips his head from his body. Oh, yes, that guy.
4: I always yeah, get I... him confused with... Because, um, like, there's the couple who go the fuck and get drilled. And I'm then there's still mad couple.
1: that that footage is lost.
4: I know, that's so sad. But, you know, I'm really... I mean, the stuff we do get in the unrated cut is amazing. I mean, it makes it... It takes it from... It's such a good slasher film. I, I know, gets me as happy as death. That death is amazing. I was about
1: to say, I love happy. <laughs> well, if, like but, his
4: eyes sticking out. Ugh.
1: I love like before he gets killed, how he's like opening that little like prank of his and he just keeps laughing at it.
4: And that's what kills him, right? Because like he's about to leave and he has to go back one more time.
1: See, I don't know if he had to go back one more time or if he heard something behind the door because you hear something and he has like this look, like huh? But then he just smiles and he goes to open it again, and then boom, right there in the face.
4: Man, and his his speech at the bar is still fucking awesome. I love his like every year Harry stalks the shadows in the Haniger mine.
1: But you stain. make fun of you little asshole.
4: Oh, yeah, that is us... a movie. We should do it on the show, Cordell.
5: Oh wait.
1: Well. I'm sure at some point we'll talk about the remake.
4: Oh, yeah, we can I, we can fight because I can defend the remake.
1: Mm, OK, you, uh, you have fun with that.
4: It has Tom Atkins, man. How can you hate Tom? Atkins? Tom motherfucking. Atkins. I
1: never said I hated Tom Atkins in it. There's a whole other. I have a whole other. See, my problem has nothing to do with the like, like actors my whole issue with the remake was where they went with it.
4: It is the return of Todd Farmer, and we all know how much we loved him last week. Yes. And we get to see way too much of Todd Farmer.
1: Oh, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But I think I got to say the My Bloody Valentine remake, that is the first time where I ever saw a woman's bush on screen.
4: Oh really? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty it's really crazy that that like that movie was, you know, like a mainstream, like big, like you could have gone and seen it in any studio cuz usually usually you don't see that level of uh you know, level of nudity in like, you know, like a remake. I mean, fucking Christ. The,
1: okay, the three- but is it really nudity though? We didn't actually see a vagina. All we saw was butch. <laughs> is it really I, nudity?
4: Yes, Mr. Culkins, it is nudity.
1: Okay, so like if I, so you can't show hair down in another region, so but show hair everywhere else on the body. Does that is that nudity? And she she has her tits out. How's that not nudity? Okay, put hair on her tits then, then that's not nudity.
4: Although weirdly, apparently people consider the male butt nudity because I, I was watching some movie with a commentary. And they were like, and this is kind of interesting because they have, oh no, well, this is what it is. It was fucking Adam Marcus and Jason Goes to Hell. And he was like, I wanted to show male nudity. And I'm like, you just see the guy's butt. Is that nudity? <laughs> yeah, because we can't stop. This is how eager I am to talk about Hulk Hogan. I'm like, I need to go back. Jason X. Jason Goes to Hell.
1: Oh. Adam, come back. Luke, what have you been watching?
4: Oh, uh nah shit man. Talk about the uh the fan film. Okay. We're on the
1: okay. Um so I did I, I did I, happen to watch shit. Valentine yeah, Bluffs. What?
4: I said I meant to watch it for the show and I totally forgot. So now I'm relying on Cordell to pick up the slack.
1: So Valentine Bluffs uh takes place forty years um after the original film. And basically, the plot is, uh, Sarah and TJ—they tried to—they tried to make it work, but it didn't. TJ moved back to Valentine Bluffs, and then we basically follow um, Sarah and TJ's kid and his girlfriend. You know, Sarah dies, and he's trying to find TJ to tell him what happened. And it takes him to Valentine Bluffs, and the mayor, you know, you got your typical mayor who wants to exploit the tragedy for monetary reasons. And long story short, they go to have a dance. Killing's not happening again. Um, I don't want to go too much into it, but, like, plot-wise, Considering you haven't watched it yet. Um, for a fan film, I was really impressed with the production values. Um, the kills are really fun. They actually do the spirit death that got cut out of the original movie.
4: Oh, the couple that gets uh speared?
1: Yep. They they did that in this movie as kind of like a well they didn't get to do it in the last movie, so we'll put it in this movie. Um, The makeup is kind of good. There's some really nice callbacks to the 81 film.
4: So. The I'm only. Lo- what? I'm looking here and it's an actual feature length. It's an hour 30. huh?
1: Yep. You would be very surprised at how good some of these fan films are. You know, you, you and I have talked before about like some of the Friday the 13th fan films. Um I've seen a few Halloween fan films on YouTube that are pretty good. Yeah,
4: I'm always I'm always skeptical. Um like I I know I'm always high on this movie, but like the only fan film I've really like watched and like love is Never Hike Alone. And I think, um, to me, that one, I think, is like less than an hour. Um, you only have like a couple actors in it. I, I guess my big issue with fan films, Cordell, a lot of the time is the acting. Like it does kind of come off as just like, here's my buddy I threw up on screen. Um, but no, this is pretty, pretty professional looking, huh?
1: Oh, yes. they They hired like people who wanted to act. They threw it they threw it all together on indigo, got the funding. Uh they shoot they actually shot some of the scenes in an actual mine, just like in the original.
4: Now does it um does it kind of match the look of the original movie, I guess?
1: I think it does. It did it felt like it to me. Um I really think or, you know, a question like that, I think that just comes on how you personally view the film um i do want to say uh luke if you ever get a chance look up uh halloween inferno on youtube okay. it was it was a fan film that was that was released prior to halloween kills getting released basically halloween inferno kind of picks up at the end of the 2018 movie. And it's kind of like Halloween kills It's you know, Michael just going around randomly killing people and shit and, uh, the town trying to stop him. But there was some things in that movie that were just so awesome. Like, man, why couldn't we have seen that in Halloween kills?
4: Okay. Yeah. I think I have heard of this. Like, and I think that's a right, um, because, you know, in Halloween Kills, right? Like, who's to say what Michael was doing, you know, when he was off screen walking through the town, right? So you definitely can put in, you well, know, what, him people and shit.
1: I'll go ahead and spoil my favorite part. There's a scene where, after Michael escapes the burning Strode house, he goes to um, another location, and there's, like, a guy uh, working on his car in the garage. He goes in there, kills the guy, kills his woman. And then, you know how his uh, two fingers on his one hand were blown off by Laurie's shotgun in the 2018 film? hmm He picks up one of those little blow torches, and he just starts to fry the uh, wound where his two fingers used to be.
4: So he cauterizes it.
1: Yeah, he just cauterizes the wound, and it's, like, it, it's kind of cool because he just starts, like, frying his hand, and, like, he's not flinching or nothing. It's like, oh, that's fucking awesome.
4: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, those um, those movies definitely kind of played it fast and loose with the... Uh you know, is Michael supernatural or not? And that ties into what I was saying earlier about my bloody Valentine and the nudity, man. Like three fucking Halloween kills and not a single three, three new Halloween movies and not a single piece of nudity in them.
1: Well, I don't think that's what Blumhouse was trying to do. You know, it's a movie, man. Yeah. But if you go back and look at the original Halloween. Yeah, you you had. A couple boob shots that were like real quick you know I think you saw some nipple when Michael killed his sister at the beginning and then when he kills Linda, Linda.
4: Halloween 2
1: But I'm not talking about Halloween 2 I'm talking about like original which was what the Blumhouse films were going off of you yeah. know you know John Carpenter wasn't out to make like a exploit ex, exploitive you know, it wasn't about the nudity. It was about the suspense.
5: Yeah, that's true.
1: So I think that's what Blumhouse was going for. Now, I'm sure, like, when someone makes the next Halloween film, there'll probably be tits galore in it.
4: Admittedly, we do get the Rob Zombie ones, and those do have the...
1: That is true. Uh, I did get to see Daniel Harris without a shirt on. <laughs>
4: And then I think, does that happen in the part two, too? I think, which is like bleeding and like, I don't know, I can't remember. I haven't seen Halloween 2 Rob Zombie in forever.
1: Mm, anyway. I saw it once and never went back.
4: I'm a big Rob Zombie defender, Cordo. Is this going to be another fight?
1: You and I get into a lot of fights on this show. I know. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for Valentine Bluffs. Um, Uh,
4: So so what would you you rate it if you had to give it on our scale as a successor to My Bloody Valentine?
1: As a successor? I would give it a high. I would give it a high.
4: Okay, interesting.
1: Not necessarily a big O, because I did have some problems with it, but most more likely than not it's a it's a high
4: all right well in time for our next show i will definitely check it out and report back okay yeah that's interesting yeah and that one had like i mean it had like a whole tie-in with fright rags you could get like shirts and stuff and i remember thinking like oh i should toss those people for months of money and then never thought about it again <laughs>
1: that's mean <laughs>
4: Hey, I'm, I'm a very like short attention span kind of guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, um, I did just, I I will admit I did get the, uh, never hike alone. I did submit for the part two they're filming. Um, I did secure the Blu-ray.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately I've never really, uh, I never really like put the money forward for like the Blu-rays, like, I was going to for Valentine Bluffs, I was going to for the Friday the 13th Vengeance, and I just never got to it.
4: Actually, did I ever tell you the first time I saw Never Hike Alone? This is why it's so special for me. I was, um, I actually was up all night working on something for school, right? It was literally, Cordell, like, six in the morning. I had no sleep. And I was I was working on something that, you know, was due, like, later that afternoon. And I was like, I need a fucking break, Right. I need to like just take an hour and like decompress. And, um, out, out of the blue, I just saw they were like, we dropped our fan film today. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I was sleep addled and I fucking loved it. And so it always will have a special place in my heart.
1: Okay. But
4: yeah, I mean, I do need to like Vengeance. I know a lot of people really love, um, there's like a couple of there's one I like tried to watch and it was terrible. I forget what the hell it was though. Uh what are the Big Friday the thirteenth ones, Cordell? We got Vengeance.
1: You got Vengeance, Vengeance 2, Bloodlines, Never Hike Alone.
4: Maybe it was the one where they brought back uh what's her face from part seven. Are you talking about roseblood? Yeah, maybe I tried to watch that and I like thought that was terrible. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's it always like it baffles me that like we have all these sequels, fan films and they have like the OG cast people coming
1: back. Mm, well, I think that's just kind of like you know, I think that's kind of like they're trying to do what Scream was doing.
4: Morphe is like, you know, I can I can make some money. <laughs>
1: Oh, do you like part seven? Yeah, I like part seven. OK. Yeah, We still have to get to that one.
4: I think it's it has to be it has to be the best Kane Hodder Jason movie. I'm, I'm trying to think I'm like, maybe Jason Goes to Hell is more entertaining. But I mean, part seven is, you know, more of an actual Friday the 13th movie. The issue with that movie is it's cut to shit, so you can't, like, none of the kills are that great.
1: I'm just going to keep my mouth shut.
4: Oh, do you not like Part 7?
1: Oh, no, I like Part 7, but, well, like, when you said it, it, was like, oh, it's the best Kane Harder, Jason.
4: Cordell, if you like Part 8 better than Part 7, I'm throwing you off the podcast. Excuse there is, me? There is no way in hell Part 8 is better than Part 7. Not a chance.
1: No way, and Jason goes to hell.
4: Anyway, we're totally off topic here. Yep. Because we're so eager to talk about uh, Hulk Hogan.
1: Well, i still got a couple other uh, what have you been watching, if you want me to get those out of the way.
4: All right, yeah, hit me.
1: So I went to the movies last weekend, and I saw the new Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Oh, how was it Um... It was different uh, because me and my friend Justin, we usually go see all these Marvel movies together because we are we are big Marvel fans. Mm -hmm. Usually we'll go to see any kind of movie together that looks interesting to us. But usually we like to go see the DC and Marvel films. But yeah, me and him on the way back, we were discussing that. and We were like. It was weird for an Ant-Man film. It was more serious, you know. The first two Ant Man films were basically superhero comedies, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I did see um I did see the second one in theaters and I remember it was all comedy and I don't remember a single thing about it besides that.
1: <laughs> yeah. The first Ant Man, the second one, it was really they're really like superhero comedies and then this one just had more you know, serious tone to it. I, I, it's really difficult to explain. Like you'd have to watch all three of them back to back to kind of understand what I'm saying. Um, Paul Rudd, I love Paul Rudd. I thought he, you know, he he excels in the role of Ant Man. He is funny. Um.
4: Yeah, I will say I do like him, like, in the in the last Avengers, like, when he's just kind of, like, doing his shtick. I think he's pretty pretty amusing.
1: Um, obviously, I think they're setting up, you know, at some point Paul Rudd's going to, like, retire from the Ant-Man role. So they got to set up his daughter, who's going to basically take his place. Um, yeah,
5: she's uh, the chick from Freaky, Catherine Newton.
1: I'm trying to think, because some of the other, like, people that were in the movie, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, I didn't like her in this movie. Oh, no? No, she was too, like, I didn't like her character. Like, okay, so, in the first Ant-Man, we're supposed to understand that Hank Pym lost his wife, Janet, played by Michelle Pfeiffer in the quantum, in like the quantum realm. Did she really do
4: a cameo in the first movie? What? Was she actually in the first movie? Like, did they do like a cameo of her or was it all off screen?
1: I think it was all off screen. I don't think she was actually like, I don't think, I don't think they had an actress for Janet until the second movie. Oh yeah,
4: she was in the second, for like five minutes at the end.
1: Um, and then the second movie, they saved her from the quantum, from the quantum realm. But then that movie ends with everybody getting dusted because of the snap. And then. We see her in the third movie and she's just not very likable. Like they get sucked back into the quantum realm and like she knows that there's something dangerous going on. But she's not telling nobody about it. Her daughter, her husband are like, what's going on? What's going on? You know what's going on? What is it? What is it? And she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. we just got to get out of here. Bitch, tell us. <laughs> um, I think really my biggest thing is. So the new phases of the MCU are trying to set up a new big bad. And this time, it is Kang the Conqueror. Are you familiar with this character? Cordell.
4: I don't think that is a no. You already know the answer.
1: Long story short, I just don't think Kang the Conqueror has the same kind of clout that Thanos does.
4: I mean, as it... Not to not to be the rain on the Marvel parade, but as far as my more layman perspective, I think Marvel's been majorly fucking up lately. Like none of the I haven't heard anyone say like anything good about any of their movies besides like Spider Man.
1: Spider Man was pretty good. Um, Thor four, it was different, but I liked it.
4: Oh, I hated that movie.
5: Um,
1: I actually really like Shang Chi. I like martial arts films, so I thought that was pretty good.
4: Yeah, that did look like an okay martial arts movie. Uh,
1: The Eternals was stupid.
4: Yeah, everyone says that one sucks.
1: Um, Black Widow. I liked Black Widow, but I really feel like the movie suffered by basically coming out post-Endgame.
4: Yeah, who gives a shit about a character who's dead?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um... You know, Marvel's just putting everything out the ass with their Disney Plus series.
4: Oh, yeah. Who gives a fuck about those, dude? I don't even... I will even pay attention to that stuff.
1: I... The only ones that I really paid attention to and watched was I did watch Seahawk hulk And I watched, uh... Hawkeye. That was mm-hmm. pretty... Because I like Jamie Renner. He's a good guy. Um... I'm waiting, basically, I'm waiting for them to bring back, like, Daredevil, the Punisher, you know. it. I don't know, it's it's very hard to tell at this point where uh, Marvel is going with their stuff. I'm actually looking forward to the Blade movie that they're making.
4: Oh, yeah, I mean, I do like Blade. Yeah, I mean, if Marvel would actually, like, you know, grow a pair and put out, like, an R-rated Punisher, that was, like, like the comics. Uh, well, did I, you
1: watch the Netflix version?
4: Uh, I watched the first season. That was pretty good.
1: Yeah, it Netflix really knocked it out of the park, not just with the Punisher, but with Daredevil, too. Well, the issue with see, I like the
4: first season, but like he wasn't really. So I'm a big Punisher comics fan, and he's not. in the the movie, the Netflix show, was more about like his journey towards becoming the Punisher. You know what I mean? Like he, uh, I didn't see any of Daredevil, but I saw his standalone series, and like it wasn't. It, it was more about him basically like accepting he had to he had to be the Punisher. You know?
1: Well, that, but I did. Well, that's kind of because, you know, the Punisher TV show took place after the second season of Daredevil. So, like, the Punisher was introduced in Daredevil season two. Where he becomes the Punisher, but by the end of the series, he kind of, like, hangs up the vest and just kind of lays low, goes into hiding. And then that's where season one of the Punisher picks up. And it's basically like, ah, shit, I really got to become this guy.
4: Yeah, I don't see. I like my Frank Castle as the force of nature, you know, like he's just an unchanging, uh, you know, force of vengeance, so to speak.
1: I don't know. I thought Punisher Warzone was pretty good. Did you ever see that one?
4: Yeah, not that actually adopts. Did you ever read any of uh Gareth Ennis's Punisher comics? I can <clears throat> send you a link, allegedly if you never have. Uh, but he did this whole, like, 60 issues or whatever. Um, I do like comics, folks. I really do. It's, it's some of them. And it's it's just this very brutal, like, Punisher Max. Like, it's just story after story of Frank, like, being this unending, brutal killer on, like, the Mafia and shit like that.
1: I did see a crossover comic where, you know how, like, back then they used to do a lot of those DC Marvel co- crossover comics?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There was a comic I saw where pu- the Punisher was going after the Joker, and I, you know, I think this was the comic where you really kind of could tell that Batman had a hard on for the Joker because he wouldn't let Frank kill him.
4: Yeah, that's what like that's what makes the Punisher so awesome, right? Is like all these other heroes like you know be like oh let me like try to fix you. No, the Punisher walk would walk up to the Joker, shoot him in the face, and walk away. <laughs> You know, that's uh that's just how the Punisher rolls.
1: I think the issue ended with Punisher basically saying, Fine, I'm going back to New York. Fuck you, you're just as fucked up as the Joker is. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so yeah, that was I saw so that's Ant Man and the Wasp, Wantamania. And then the <laughs> last thing I watched was a movie on Netflix I watched it last night it's called We Have a Ghost.
5: Oh, okay.
1: Um I don't know basically I don't know any actors in it other than Anthony Mackie who, you know, the previous discussion I think most people at this point know is uh the Falcon in the mm-hmm. MCU. But uh basically is kind of it was kind of like one of those feel good movies where so this this uh black family moves into this house and i think it's the youngest kid like both the kids are kind of like teenagers but the youngest uh finds out that they have a ghost in their attic well once the dad finds out, you know, the dad kind of makes it like a whole like media sensation trying to get rich off of it. But apparently there's like a government uh, organization that's tasked with hunting ghosts. OK, it, it, it it's a it's it. I didn't know what to expect going in. All I knew was it, it's a family movie. So. You know, it's on Netflix. Anthony Mackie's kind of funny in it, but, uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say about it. Other than that, you know, it was okay. I'm not usually
4: like, uh, you know, watch once and be like, that was fine. Kind of movies.
1: Yeah. Like it, it really wasn't a movie where it's like, oh, I want to watch that again. It was, Cause I don't really do a lot of those like feel good movies. But <laughs> It was good for what it was.
4: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just looked up the uh, poster and summary. It looks vaguely, you know,
1: looks entertaining enough. So what have you been watching?
4: All right. I got two things on what I have been watching. Uh, One, I'll just skip over very briefly because this past Wednesday, as of our recording date, was Ash Wednesday. And you know what that means, Cordell
1: uh you said ash wednesday is this an evil dead reference
4: yes well i mean it means something to some religious people but i don't know what that is and uh instead what it means is i get to watch evil dead 2
1: oh boy i love that movie i know well, i do it is actually my i least. think you sent me a copy of that oh did i yeah i, I think you sent me the second one
4: so Evil Dead 2, believe it or not, is actually my least favorite in the series. Um, I do like it. I like it a lot. When I say least favorite, I mean the first movie and Army of Darkness are 10 out of 10s, and Evil Dead 2 is a 9 out of
1: 10. Um, hey, hey, I swallow your soul. I will swallow your soul. I will swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. Swallow this. Blah!
4: I love how the head like Death Star style explodes. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Evil Dead 2 is still, like, really, really well-directed. You know, Sam Raimi at his best. You know, what, what more can you say about it, right? Bruce Campbell is a comic genius. All the stuff with the hand is fantastic. I guess, for me, the middle portion kind of just always drags a little bit. Um, all the stuff when it's more so, like, the the guys running around looking for Bobby Joe and all that kind of shenanigans. Um but everything, everything up and basically everything when there's people at the cabin has never really like clicked for me. Um, but, you know, the first like 40 minutes when it's just Bruce Campbell and then the ending when he, you know, man's up, so to speak. And I love the ending, dude, even though it gets retconned in Army of Darkness. But like all the knights cheering for Ash and he's just like, <laughs> fuck it, like, no, no. And it ends with like the fists going up for him. I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, Evil Dead too. I mean, it's a great movie. What more can you say?
1: Well, from where I'm yeah. from, from where I'm standing, you're not in charge of Jack and shit, and Jack left town.
4: Oh, I love Army of Darkness.
1: Army of Darkness is my favorite of the trilogy.
4: It's so good
1: because it's it. Even though Army of Darkness is more of like a comedy than a horror film, like the first two, it still, you know, plays with that like scary element you know what i'm saying
4: oh yeah i mean there there's moments of horror in army of darkness 100 percent.
1: i love the attack on the castle i love the big battle scenes
4: yeah that stuff is amazing and that was all done for like super cheap too but sam raimi makes it work
1: and i love i basically i love how you have ash and evil ash
4: i know i, like, I love I? Uh, when they're at the end that's amazing
1: i like when uh Finally when the skeleton army like breaks in and we that one's like, We've broken through, the castle is ours and you have evil ash, just go,
4: Now go forth and Sally far. Sally
1: far. Oh, Sally all oh, you miserable back of bones. Pick yourselves up and put yourselves together. Now yeah, I, will I, mean, say, I will say okay. this. I don't like Now, obviously, I've seen both versions of the movie. I've seen the theatrical version and I've seen the screwhead version where it had like an alternative ending. Mm -hmm. But I hate in the screwhead version. Well, okay, so in the theatrical version. When. uh, Ash shoots himself and he goes good, bad on the guy with the gun.
4: Yeah,
5: they
1: they change it, right? Yeah, they change it in the screwhead edition to something else, something stupid.
4: Well, I just um, I've seen the alternate ending. I haven't seen the screwhead version, but I like the theatrical ending a lot better because Army of Darkness is such a it's such a fun movie that it it feels wrong to not end on like the whole like, you know, fist pumping like, give me some sugar, baby. Or no, what's he say? Hail to the king.
1: Oh, um, I love the smart lady. I'm afraid I'm not to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's that. that. Housewife.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's just like, you know, every, every time you see that movie, you walk away with the biggest grin on your face. Right. And it just, uh you know, it, it would feel wrong to end it any other way.
1: Dude, I'm going to when I spend time with my girlfriend, I'm going to grab her and I'm going to do, like, do that way. Like, you know how like you twirl a girl around and then you kind of sweep her off her feet a little bit
4: going to bruce campbell it up
1: yep i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna look at and go hail to the king baby yeah and i mean um just
4: last thing i want to say is i think the evil dead trilogy um i think is like the perfect evolution right because i think each film flows you start with the first one that's pure horror the second that blends the horror and comedy and then the third, which is totally like action comedy with moments of horror. But I don't know, man, I think it all just I think it flows perfectly because and I have watched all three back to back to back. And um, yeah, I don't know, man, just what a great trilogy Sam Raimi gave us.
1: Uh, Let me just let me just uh give you fair warning, though, Uh, whether or not, like if you're ever hanging out with a female friend or anything, I do not recommend looking at him and going, hey, she bitch, let's go.
4: (laughs) I can imagine that would not grant you uh, good results. Yeah, Evil Dead 2. Watched that on Wednesday. And then yesterday I ventured out to the theater myself, not for Ant-Man and the Wasp, but rather for the aptly named Cocaine Bear. Have you heard of this
3: movie?
1: Say what? (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry oh i gotta be careful to do that i might give myself a bloody nose shit what are you snorting son wouldn't you like to know i would <laughs> yeah, co- cocaine bear did you uh you hear of this one? Oh, i shit i've all i thought i've been seeing on social media the you know trailers for it
5: well guess what dude
4: To what cordell i fucking hated it oh oh yeah we're getting controversial guys i've already gotten into a few arguments about this here's the deal in this 90 minute movie the bear is only on screen for probably 15 minutes and every time the bear is on screen doing cocaine it is amazing it's really good it's really <laughs> the bear fucks people up here's the issue cordell whenever the bear is not on screen this movie fucking sucks. I just got to say it. Shit acting, shit directing, shit pacing. Um every single character is so goddamn annoying to watch on screen. Um it, the comedy mostly doesn't work. It's just Oh my god, dude. Ray This is like Ray Liotta's last movie and he's terrible in it. It just uh and the the, the bear the, there's a couple good attack scenes with the bear. But you can tell they didn't have the budget to, like, do the CGI properly. So there's a bunch of scenes also where the bear is just off screen and, like, you know, a severed leg falls out of the tree type thing. I don't know, man. I just – I did not vibe to this movie. And I tried, folks. I really did. You know, I had a couple drinks. I did not drive. I went to a crowded theater. And uh, I was like, this is going to be amazing. And I just – there's like two sequences. I was like, Yeah, this is awesome. And everything else, uh, by the end of the movie, I was like, This is this movie fucking sucks.
1: <sighs> it did not
4: work.
1: You're the first person I've heard say that.
4: And I don't know if I just like have a stick up my ass, like I don't know, man. I was I walked in, Cordell, I was like, I am ready. Give me the cocaine bear.
1: Oh, you're and, gonna have a stick up your ass when we get to tonight's movie. oh oh man we're getting getting kinky on a sunday
4: i don't yeah man i don't know i just nothing worked for me in that movie besides the couple scenes of gore and even then it's like okay hardy har you know the bear you know ripped people you, you know it's it was a one joke movie you know what i mean and i don't even think they did the one joke that well so i gotta say like huge disappointment for cocaine bear I I don't know what else to say. Just it it fucking
1: sucked. (laughs) Oh, you heard it here first, folks.
4: So, you know, our, our two listeners can write in and argue with me about that.
1: I mean, I haven't I have no desire to see the movie. I was. I don't know. I'm not really into animal attack films. So. Well I'm
4: a big I'm a big fan of Grizzly from the 70s. Have you heard of that one?
1: I've heard of that one.
4: And this movie I'm going to spoil Grizzly really quick Cordell. Well, I'm not going to spoil it, but in that movie they were smart enough to realize, you know, we need to give it a huge like Jaws level ending, right? You know at the end of Jaws of uh, the boat sinking and they blow up the shark blah blah blah. Like Grizzly does something similar. This movie they did not have the budget to even do anything close to that crazy like i don't know like if all your money was spent on the cgi bear you would have been better off just doing a guy in a bear suit and like actually going crazy if that makes sense (laughs) like it just i don't know man it just it didn't work it i was not i did not have a good time with this movie i'm sorry thanks i really feel
1: i really feel like uh they went with like a dude in a suit the praise I've been seeing for this movie would not exist.
4: I don't get the praise, man. I don't know if people walk in and they just see the bear doing cocaine and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I get it. It's a bear doing Coke. That's hilarious, right? Like that's funny for five minutes, but this is a 90 minute movie. You need more than just the fucking Coke bear, right? Oh no, that's not even true. You don't need more than the Coke bear. You need the Coke bear to actually do something. And the Coke bear does not do enough. (sighs)
1: <sighs> oh, damn. I heard a slap.
4: Yeah, th- this would be a, this would be another dick cutting off, Cordell. Just because it made me so mad at how bad they fucked it up.
1: Okay, so there you heard it, folks. Um, When it comes to cocaine bail, Luke is cutting off his dick. Ugh.
4: I would love for someone to, like, explain to me why they love this movie so much. Because to me, it just was an incoherent mess.
1: I mean... Some people just like stupid cinema.
4: I like stupid cinema. <laughs> well,
1: you obviously know I like stupid cinema. I gave Jason Takes Manhattan a pass.
4: Ah, see, he admits it's stupid, folks.
1: I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say Jason Takes Manhattan is like Oscar cinema. but And yeah, it's dumb. But it was a dumb movie that I had a lot of fun with. I got to admit,
4: though, it was more fun to talk about than uh, Jason X was. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, did you listen to the uh, Jason Goes to Hell show yet?
4: I started listening to that. I think that was, a, dare I say, a very good show by us.
1: Don't mind us, folks. We just like to kind of toot on horn and suck along dicks.
4: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You that? Oh. Go listen to our previous episodes. Go on.
1: All right. So that was what you've been watching. Um. Did you have any news, Luke? Before we get into uh the Hulk Hogan film,
4: I do. Just one piece, though. It's been slow, slow going for news. Um. And uh, Cordell and I kind of talked about this a little bit pre-call, but the only memorable piece of news I could find is that finally they've been uh. Teasiness for a couple months now, but the It prequel series, and that's The Clown, Welcome to Dairy, is uh, gotten greenlit on HBO. And uh, they do have the director of the two It movies, Andy Muschietti, is on board. Apparently he's going to direct a couple episodes, and it looks like it's going to be more of an anthology film.
1: Do you think they'll bring bring back Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise?
4: I I would assume so. I'm actually I'm reading. This is deadline right here.
1: Mm, careful. Assumption is the mother of all fuck ups.
4: I know. Uh, yes, I would assume they bring back Bill Skarsgård because, you know, I mean, it's it says Welcome to the theory is based on King's it novel and expands on the story in the future films. It chapter one and two. Uh, red balloons all around is what the director says so i would assume they're going to bring back bill skarsgård but uh i like the two it movies i really do i mean i think the 2017 one is the better movie uh it chapter two is way too long it's like that movie's like three and a half hours long it's crazy
1: i have Uh, to i have to admit like i stated before the show i'm not a I'm not a fan of like Stephen King movies. I've never watched it because I fucking hate clowns. But it, the novel, was something that I always was weirded out. Weirding, like I was always weirded out by that story. And I, because it is the only book that I can remember. Where Stephen King did a line of cocaine. And decided, I'm going to write a child gangbang scene.
4: Yeah, you know, it's so funny with it, right? Because, I mean, let's just get it out in the open, right? Like, every, everyone wants to, like, dance around that, you know? But, um...
1: No, like I'm not going to dance around that. I'm going to say that is in that book.
4: No, it's fucking weird, right? Like, it's deeply disturbing. And, and, like, we're all, like, we love Stephen King as horror fans. But we all just, like, we're all just, like, yeah, there is that part in it we just, you know, we don't talk about.
1: <laughs> You know, I've been reading some controversies going on where, like, uh, some, like, books are being, like, rewritten and republished. Um, I, I just read an article today where some of Ian Fleming's, like, James Bond novels are getting, like, rewritten where they're removing, like, the racial stereotypes and everything that were written back then. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if there's any story that needs a rewrite, it needs to be it. And they just need to exercise that whole thing.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. So because it was like a huge bestseller. Right. So it's like presumably millions and millions of people like read that book. And I I don't know if like the whole 80s people are just like, yeah, that ending was really like not okay. But
3: uh, yeah,
1: it sold millions of copies but that was because people were like, ooh, a new Stephen King book. I'm sure by the time they put it down, they were like, oh.
4: I will say, Cordell, on a on a lighter note with It, though, I remember I was reading that back, whew, back in the day when I was like, you know, 12, 13 or something. That book scared the shit out of me, the opening with, like, Georgie and all. I literally remember, like, reading that at night and, like, putting the book, like, down, like, Putting, throwing it across the room because it was like, it freaked me the fuck out.
1: Um, some of the, I gotta say, some of the Stephen King books that I've read, um, that I enjoyed, um, I did read his novel based on the mist.
4: Great book.
1: I like that one. And I also read Cujo, which I thought was pretty good.
4: Yeah. And that, that, that has such a downer ending in the book, too.
1: There are two books that I want to get my hands on. I want to get my hands on Salem's Lot. And I also want to get my hands on Apt Pupil. Are you familiar with this one? Yeah, well,
4: Apt Pupil is in a uh, short story collection. Um, and I highly recommend reading uh, The Shawshank Redemption and The Body, which are in the same book. Those are those are all really good. Apt Pupil is a great uh, little short story. It's really fucked up. It uh, oh. It's pretty dark.
1: Um yeah, app pupil, I wanna get my hands on that one. And then Spot
4: is a great book too.
1: Now, I am not proud to admit that one of the first Stephen King movies that I ever saw was Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Ooh boy, let me tell you something. That movie now, mind you, I don't think I was supposed to watch that. My mom had rented it from the video store mm-hmm. and she was watching it. So I just kind of was like just chilling in the background. and was watching it with her because I didn't know what the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. But like. When I see this giant truck with the Green Goblin attacking people and then like. The diner just starts coming to life and attacking people, I I got freaked the fuck out, dude i was like what the fuck is this i didn't uh i'm trying to remember because when that happened when i saw like that green goblin truck whenever my mom talked about it or something i was like i just would freak out because it was like that movie fucked with my head
4: yeah i remember um uh, Tim Curry's Pennywise freaked me out when I was when I was a kid.
1: See, my mom uh, used to always talk about how she hated clowns, but she was never afraid of Tim Curry's Pennywise. And I was like, well, you said you hate clowns. He's like, yeah, but Tim Curry's Pennywise is just a dick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, have you seen the old it?
1: Uh, I saw about, I saw a couple uh, scenes of it
4: because in, in about half the scenes Tim Curry is pretty scary but then in like the rest of it he's kind of playing it for like campy kind of like hilarity and so I can I can kind of see what your mom's saying
1: no I think the clown my mom was referring to that freaked her out was that clown in Poltergeist
4: oh yeah that is freaky I haven't seen that movie in forever my god
5: Ooh, uh but
4: yeah uh It prequel series I'm looking forward to it. I uh yeah, I like Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. I think he's pretty scary. Um and you know, I think there's a lot of room because uh you know, it comes out every like 30 years or whatever the hell it is. So, you know, uh if they want to do a Pennywise back in like the 1920s or whatever, that could be pretty cool.
1: I saw a really funny behind the scenes video. I think it was for it chapter one, but they had just got done filming a scene, and then Bill Skarsgård like goes up to the kids in full Pennywise, starts high fiving them, and like "You guys ready? You get to kick my ass in the next scene."
4: <laughs> uh, well, if you hate clowns, man, don't watch the new ones because he is fucking creepy.
1: Ugh. Yeah, I'm not a clown guy.
4: It Chapter 2 has, like, the darkest opening ever. Because, like, within, like, the first five minutes, you have, like, a gay guy getting beat up. You have, like, a suicide. You have, like, you know, like, abusive relations. Like, it's just, it's, like, a brutal ten minutes. And then, like, the rest of the movie is really weird because it gets, like, really comedy- comedic. It's it's a very strange, like, blend, It Chapter 2. Hmm. Yeah, it's really... I don't know that's that's one I need to go back and watch, but I remember like liking it, but it it didn't it definitely does not really work, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're getting a prequel series, and that is the only piece of news I could find, kids,
1: oh, good shit, well, are you ready to get into Mr. Nanny?
4: Oh, uh, I guess we have no other choice. it is there, so we must
1: all right, so. Mr. Nanny, this movie came out in October 1993, had a bo- had a budget of 10 million dollars. And do you want to know what the box office was?
4: This came out in theaters. I thought it was just straight to VHS.
1: Oh, do you want to know the box office on a 10 million dollar budget?
4: Two. Four
1: point three million.
4: Oh, that is a bomb, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Ooh, goddamn!
4: Do you have some uh, a cast list for us?
1: So this movie stars Hulk Hogan, Sherman Hemsley, Austin Pendleton, Madeline Zima, Robert Gorman, uh, someone named Mother Love, who whose real name was Joanne Hart. Uh, David Johansson, Raymond O'Connor, Peter Kent. Actually, I do got some interesting trivia about Peter Kent when we get to him. Um,
4: Who's Peter Kent?
1: Peter Kent, he plays the uh, henchman Wolfgang in this movie.
4: He's, like uh, the, he's, he's the big... I call Hans in half of my notes.
1: Yeah, he's the big German dude. Well, it turns out that Peter Kent... Is a famous uh, stunt double, like a body double, because he did a lot of bottle, body doubling for for Arnold Schwarzenegger.
5: Really? Like in what movies? Um, he
1: was he did. Uh, I think he was in. He did body doubling for Schwarzenegger in Predator, uh, Red Heat, Terminators One and Two and there was a couple other ones that he did. I'm he's not with. the
5: uh
4: he's not the
1: reanimator
4: guy, is he? Cuz one of Arnold's stunt doubles was uh one of the corpses in Reanimator.
1: Um I think he was. I think I saw his uh name. Oh no back. shit. That's crazy. Yeah, you have familiar? you ever are you familiar with Reanimator? Um not necessarily a movie that I uh visit very often i'll be quite honest with you because that movie's fucked up
4: well do you remember when they first revived the guy the first guy they revive is the big muscle dude who like beats the dean with the door
1: um uh, let me yep right here on his imdb melvin the reanimated nice the animator um he did stunts for arnold and predator total recall true lies
4: Wow, that's crazy. And more importantly, I wish we were talking about Reanimator.
1: He was in something called True Justice with Steven Seagal, whatever that is.
4: Oh, I I have a Steven Seagal comment later.
1: You know what? Actually, I'm going
4: to say it now. The whole movie, Cordell, I was like, why isn't this guy played by Steven Seagal? We could have had Steven Seagal fight Hulk Hogan.
1: Oh, God, this guy was in Far Cry. Cordell's
4: not even going to entertain that one.
1: Ooh, that's a bad, that's something, I would not want that on my resume. Have you ever seen the Far Cry movie? Nah. Yeah, it's uh, another video game adaptation from our friend Uwe Bull. Oof. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
4: Cordell still needs to make me watch House of the Dead, folks. I guess we'll get to it at some
1: point. We'll get to it, I'm I'm trying not to torture you so quick. Um,
4: so you just start I mean, off with Hulk Hogan. I see how it is.
1: Well, to be fair, I've already tortured you in the past with some Chuck Norris.
4: Oh, yeah, that movie was all right.
1: Um, That's a yeah, movie where there's
4: like one gory scene of the guy ripping a heart out, and then there was like no gore in the rest of the movie.
1: Well, can I? Uh, I've only got five pieces of trivia for this movie on imdb can i just read them all right now
4: yeah go for it go for it go through
1: okay um so first piece of trivia in the intro credits at the beginning of the film former wwf now wwe and wcw stars appear including kamala jim the anvil need Art, and zodiac played by buddhist beefcake
4: kamala harris on the zodiac
1: Oh, come, come on. on. It's funny. Oh, okay. You like for a moment. I'm like, wait, what? You. Oof. <laughs> Go to timeout. Um,
4: I, I want to see that WWE match. The Zodiac Killer versus Kamala Harris. It's not political. folks.
1: The movie's composer, David Johansson, is a member of the New York Dolls. He also plays the movie's main villain, Tommy Sanatos.
4: Oh, my uh, God. We're going to talk about this guy.
1: Uh Johansson's pseudonym and side project band is Buster Point Dexter under the Point Dexter name, he performed the movie's theme song Rough Stuff, which is kinda of funny because when I was listening to the theme song to this movie, I thought it said butt stuff.
4: <laughs> I kinda like the theme song. the Is that the one over the ending credits? Yeah. I kinda but, like
1: But when it was going Rough Stuff I <laughs> thought he was saying butt stuff. I'm like, whoa.
4: There's a couple of risque uh, stuff in here, you know, uh,
1: as as Hulk rides along the beach just before he wipes his mustache. A man in the background throws a dog into the water. I didn't even see that.
4: Yeah, I, I did not notice that.
1: Um, The original title of this movie was slated to be rough stuff. Until it was later changed to Mr. Nanny. OK. That's cool.
4: Yeah, I'm looking here to see if I can dig up any trivia. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, everyone's talking about the guy throwing the dog into the ocean, and I didn't even notice that. So I don't know if that says more about us or more about the movie.
1: Besides Hulk Hogan, I only recognize two other uh, actors in this movie. Obviously, I rec- recognize Sherman Hemsley. Do you know him?
4: Is is he the kid? Who is he? No, he,
1: he he's but. Oh, he did look
4: uh, familiar, but I couldn't place him.
1: Um, he was in uh, a movie called Ghost Fever. It was a nineteen eighty seven horror comedy. He was in Love at First Bite. Um.
4: I was in the Jeffersons. Yeah Casper,
5: I mean
1: I, I when I saw he was because it has the listed Casper's Spirited Beginning, which was a movie I watched a lot as a kid. I kept trying to be like, who the fuck was he in that? Oh, he's the store owner that Casper saves from a mugger.
4: Yeah, it looks like this guy has just been in like, you know, a ton of T V and
1: yeah, I see, like, Twilight Zone. He's George he's, Jefferson
4: from the Jeffersons. That's what most people know him from.
1: Uh, he was in the uh, ABC Family series, uh, Dinosaurs. Oh, he had a bit part in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's a he's an old, old school actor.
1: And the only other person that I'm familiar with from this cast is Madeline Zima, who plays the little girl in this movie.
4: Yeah, the only thing I saw her in is she was somebody in The Collector, which is a little horror movie I'm a big fan of, but I didn't um, from she anything was
1: in. She was in Cinderella Story, I've seen that, yep, The Collector. Um, she was big in the show Heroes, so she's had ah, some stuff.
4: I have another actor I know from somewhere, but I will save it, Coryville.
1: Uh, okay. Please tell me it's not Robert Gorman.
4: Who's Robert Gorman?
1: He plays, uh, the kid.
4: Uh, well, I, I will not say no more, because I have it at a critical point in my carefully prepared notes. Okay. So don't Don't look that guy up. Because I have the twist of who I know him from. Because the whole time I was like, I know that kid from somewhere.
1: Um, yeah, and then like like I was saying, the wrestlers at the beginning of this movie when Hulk Hogan's having his nightmare. Um, those are all like wrestling buddies of his from the WCW and that.
4: Yeah, I figured.
1: Afa Oonia, Brutus Beefcake, George the Animal Steel, Jim the Anvil Needhaw, and Kamala. Do uh Brutus Beefcake, we're going to talk about it uh, with this opening, but Brutus Beefcake's costume in this, when he's beating up Paul Kogan, freaked the shit out of me as a kid.
4: I'm not going to lie to you, Cordell. I paid no attention to any of their costumes.
1: <laughs> he, he had, like, that zebra look. He had, like, the black and white zebra stripes on, like, his arms and his legs and he, on his face
4: vaguely yeah that sounds familiar
1: okay all right let's get into it all
4: right so we got mr nanny god help me (laughs) all right so mr nanny opens up weirdly enough with the same logo we've been having here with jason goes to hell and jason x gotta get a mention of them in because it's new line cinemas and uh
1: we start off. With Come some on, let's be ni- let's be nice here. New Line Cinema is Freddy's home. That's true, but at this point, they
4: owned both Jason and Freddy. But
1: I just yeah, think o- it's kind of unfair to Freddy to keep mentioning Jason every time we <laughs> mention New Line. <laughs> but we open, and right away we get some clown
4: music to start. And as I have here, did you notice this, Cordell? It's kind of like some weird, like circusy type shit and i was like an ominous portent
3: <laughs>
4: <clears throat> hulk hogan is where i want to be fishing instead of watching this <laughs> so he's sitting he's sitting on the dock uh falling asleep it looks like and uh yeah this is when we get a flashback sequence i guess it's his dream of yeah and kind of got disturbing cordell because it's like hogan hogan falling in the ring in slow-mo but as the scene goes on the other wrestlers they really like beat the shit out of him did you notice that
1: yes i was I like like, I like the one guy at the one guy's like banging his head into the corner and the whiff comes up and says stop it you're killing him
4: yeah i was it just kept going though i was like this is like kind of brutal because it's in like slow-mo right
1: Yeah, I don't like the (laughs) slow-mo.
4: But, uh, yeah, so I was kind of like, what is the tone here? You know what I mean? Um, He gets a nibble, and so he he pulls up a small fish, which I thought was kind of funny.
1: Okay, but the most relatable thing happens in this scene. He gets clotheslined in his dream, and he falls backwards in real life. (laughs) have you ever had that where like you go falling and like you're like in a dream and you like fall from a great distance and then like in the real world your body like 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 jolts or something like that
4: oh yeah dude i hate that like i've had dreams where like i'll fall out of an airplane or something and i'll like just like literally like jump up in bed it's uh super freaky
1: probably the most relatable thing in this movie but yeah,
4: so he uh he catches a fish and he's talking to it like you
1: know. Aw, <laughs> oh, don't look at me like that.
4: This is why I have Cordell guys, because he knows the quotes. I'm just like he's talking to the fish. Um And yeah, he's like, Don't tell the others or whatever, and he throws it back.
1: I like it. He's like, Don't catch me around you again he around here again. <laughs> well, uh this is when
4: that actor whose name we just said five minutes ago walks Sherman up. Sherman Hemsley. Sherman Hemsley walks up, and he's limping with a cane. This is Burt. But Wilson. And uh, is this where they say, uh, so Hulk Hogan, his name in the movie is Sean Armstrong. Yep. But we're going to, I'm probably going to call him Hulk Hogan a lot, if you're cool with that, Cordell.
1: Yeah, because, like, who wants? Like, I don't want to keep running to IMDb every five minutes.
4: So uh, Bert's basically like, I got a job for you. I need you to be a bodyguard. And, you know, uh, Hulk is like, I'm not a bodyguard. I'm a wrestler. And we pretty quickly learn that uh, Bert is basically his former manager. And, you know, he's kind of retired from wrestling, or at least that's the impression I got.
1: Yeah, he keeps calling himself a wrestler. But I always got the idea that he was retired.
4: Yeah, because he's like living on this river and we're going to find out later. I guess this is in Florida or, you know, uh, close to Miami. Because there's a, a a lot of the cars have like Miami license plates. So I guess we're to take it, you know, he's off the off the ocean or he's, he's in the bayou or something. Well, you know, we get some banter between him and Bert, and he keeps saying, like, you know, I don't want to don't want to work for you. And Bert's, you know, This is when he's like, you know, I had a couple checks bounce and all of a sudden nobody work- wants to work for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, so mm-hmm. Hogan,
1: t- he's like, oh, is that how you're going to like repay a friend who saved your life?
4: Well, uh, Hogan takes him inside his shack, and I got to say, it looks pretty cozy.
1: Uh, I thought it looked like a mess,
4: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have to wonder, Cordell. Does, do you think cooking a like can of ravioli or whatever in like hot water would actually work?
1: Um, yeah, it might. I think I feel it, like I've seen that done before, like at scout camp. Yeah, I don't know, because, like, he's, like, got a
4: can of, like, Chef Boy RD or whatever, and he's, like, has it in a, another bowl of hot water cooking on the stove, and he's, like, that's my secret. I cook it in the can.
1: See, that, that, see, usually when I see stuff like that, it's, like, oh, so this is just someone who's trying to do as little as possible in their life.
4: He's so lazy, he can't even open the can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
4: facts. Um... Yeah, so Bert basically, uh, you know, he basically talks talks Hulk Hogan into uh, taking up the job.
1: I like his, I like it when uh, he pisses him off. He's like, "Yeah, you got any more of this?"
4: <laughs> yeah, because uh, Hulk, you know, he's basically like, "Well, let me write you a check, you know, like whatever, whatever you need, I'll just pay for it." And the guys, li- uh, Bert's like, "You know, I'm not taking no charity.
1: Nobody'll take his food." I know, right? I hate people like that. Like, you want to hang out with me, fine, but don't just come around just for my food.
4: <laughs> so we get got, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan basically accepts the gig, and he hops onto his motorcycle. And I will say, Cordell, basically, right off the top, I don't mind Hulk Hogan's acting – Like, he kind of plays everything with, like, this more quiet voice. And I don't know. I'm not very familiar with Hulk Hogan at all. So I don't know if that's, like, normally what he sounds like.
1: I mean, that's that's him when he's not, like, in the ring going, like, we're going to do this, brother.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't mind him in this movie. I'm just going to say that off the top. I mean, I think his comedic, like, chops are okay. Like, he's fine. You know what (laughs) I mean? I, I have no real complaints about Hulk Hogan.
1: I think maybe you'll like Hulk Hogan a lot more if we ever get around to doing his other well-known movie, which was uh, Suburban Commando. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think he's he's pretty solid. Oh, oh OK, that's maybe
4: giving too big of a compliment, but he, he never was. Li- I never was like, oh, this guy's terrible. You know,
1: is he solid like Jesse the body Ventura was solid in Predator?
4: Yeah, you know what? That's fine. He's predator level. You know, you could stick him in that movie. But uh, yeah, so we see him like rolling up in a uh, motorcycle driving through Miami. This might be where the guy throws the dog into the ocean. I have no idea. (laughs) And uh, so we cut to a office building and this is where we meet uh, Mr. Mason, who is the guy who's hiring the bodyguard.
1: And right away we find out this guy is a priss.
4: Yeah, because the secretary's like, good morning, Mr. Mason, and he's like, lose the gum.
1: (laughs) Um, And then then he's like bitching about a typo on page 47.
4: Yeah, and this guy's hair is fucking, he's got this like Albert Einstein, like gray mop type thing.
1: Yeah, this uh, this is one of those 90s movies where it's like, we're just playing the stereotype. Oh, he's an inventor? He's smart? Okay, just give him crazy hair.
4: Well, he's talking to his head of security, uh, Frank,
1: is that guy's name?
4: Yes. And I don't know who plays him, but he's kind of amusing. Uh, and
1: Raymond O'Connor. Raymond O'Connor.
4: And this is where we find out that Mason is the guy who needs the bodyguard. And Frank's basically like, well, yeah, he should be on his way. But, I, you know, I told the guards to be on high alert. Well, oh, Hoc- you've
1: seen this guy before. Raymond O'Connor?
4: Oh, have I? And what?
1: He had a big part in Halloween Four, the return of Michael Myers.
4: No shit, who is he in Halloween Four?
1: He was the security guard that took those two people from Smiths Grove to the oh, to the basement. He, he, he said He's I the was one. Yes, that was him. <laughs> oh my
4: God, that's crazy'm
1: uh, trying to and he lives. If, I'm trying to see if there's anything. Everything well, else, yeah, no, he doesn't look like he's been in besides this and Halloween 4, nothing else.
4: He has it's, one moment later that I thought was hilarious, and everything else, so he's pretty forgettable. Um, but yeah, so he's basically like, you know, the bodyguard should be on his way if I put the guards on high alert. Well, Hulk Hogan rolls up to the uh gate,
1: I love this scene.
4: And yeah, I did. Like the the guards basically are like, you know, like who the fuck are you? They don't actually say that, but and the one guy's like calls him a butthead for some reason.
1: Yeah, I like is like I'm here to see Mister Mason. Is that so? Get off the bike. What for? Just do it, butthead. No, are you deaf or just plain stupid? No, I just got a low tolerance for gorillas and cop suits. <laughs> gorillas, <laughs> huh? and then he just does the one thing you never do with a bike owner.
4: Hits the bike.
1: Yes. And I love how he reacts. He's like, shoulda done that. And he just gives a good punch to his face. I
4: think my note sums it up best because okay, this is kind of awesome. Felony assault is committed in the greatest way possible. (laughs) Because Hulk Hogan, like, beats the shit out of these guys. Oh, (laughs) I love this. When he grabs the fucking gate.
3: (laughs) breaks it off and he's
1: just beating up with it and he he fucking hits the guy in the stomach and uh what is
4: it they're looking out the window Mason and Frank and they're like should we get another guy and Mason's like nah
1: this guy's great (laughs) um throws the guy's head through the wall and he goes so where's Mason's office
4: (laughs) yeah so he uh you know he walks into the building and meets uh Mr. Mason, and um, I didn't understand this part, Cordell. Like Hulk Hogan's talking to him, and he opens his desk drawer, and it just randomly blows up. <laughs> I don't know. I've been like, trying to figure that scene out for the last
1: 25
4: years. Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. But the guy's like, was it bombed or something? It blows up. Well, Frank runs up, and Hogan thinks Frank is a threat, so he like clotheslines him. <laughs> and I, I did like this is why I was like Hulk Hogan's pretty good because uh Mason's like this is our head of security frank and uh hulk hogan God, the it, would you? <laughs> and hulk hogan picks him up and he says something to the effect of like oh i saw the guy who knocked you out <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just thought that was pretty amusing
1: oh my gosh i love that
4: well uh mazen gets a phone call and all we see are lips and not the fun kind <laughs> And uh, this guy's just like, you know, I want your uh, who are you? I'm just your average criminal mastermind. And he basically tells Mason, he's like, listen, you got 24 hours to reconsider. But uh, does does he talk about the chip? I, I don't even know. He's like, you yeah, know, he, give me. He,
1: he gives him 24 hours as he wants that chip. And Mason's like, I told you it's not sale. Everything's for sale. Just a matter of what price. And then he says something to the effect of, say hello to your little children. Yeah, and so
4: that sets up the premise of this movie, is Mason needs somebody to, you know, protect his kids. But so he's walking with Hulk Hogan. This is the one line that I thought was, like, legitimately funny, because he's like, know anything about chips? I'm a nacho cheese man myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: but, then he, but then Hulk he goes on and, like, perfectly describes what a microchip is.
1: I know, because I like how Frank kind of is like, ah, I don't think he'd expect to know. And then he just completely tells him what a microchip is. And Mason's like, very good.
4: And uh, yeah, I mean, Mason has, you know, generic chip that can shoot down a missile, basically, is what I have. And I think that sums it up. What's he call it? Peace striker or something?
1: Yeah, basically, he has what completely runs the U.S. government military system now.
4: Implying that you know the the government wouldn't like you know already control this chip and like take it over you know anyway, we can't apply logic
3: here.
1: But I do love how like Hulk Hogan tries to play with the motto and break it. <laughs> yeah that is I and mean, yeah
4: that's pretty funny. Um. So yeah, so Hogan just has to protect the kids. So they roll up to this guy's house. You know he's got some swanky mansion off the uh I think it's off the beach. I don't even know. And uh, they roll up to the door, and we see the previous nanny runs out with her head on fire. <clears throat> and up until this point, I've been having a pretty good time with this movie, as stupid as it is. But uh, this is when we meet Alex and Kate.
1: You know, I really can't say much about Kate, because she's a lot younger. But, whoo, the guy that plays Alex.
4: Why the fuck... Who says this? My next note is turn off. Oh no, I know, I know what this is from. Anyway, so we meet the two kids, Alex and Kate. Uh, <laughs> what? My notes are kind of like scattered throughout this. It's not going to be as bad as Ernest, I promise. Because Ernest, there were no notes. But um, yeah. So the nanny comes running out with her head on fire, and uh, you know, Mason is like, "Well, what happened to her?" And Alex is like, "Oh, her uh, hair dryer had a faulty chip or whatever." <laughs> And he just kind of, like, shrugs it off or whatever.
1: Yeah, we find out right away that Mason is not a gay... He's a very absent father.
4: Yeah, he's basically like, whatever, you kids just do your own thing.
1: Yeah, my kids can do whatever they want, even do uh, pranks that might one day result in murder.
4: (laughs) They're actively trying to murder, it. I mean. So, Hogan, you know, uh, we meet the kids, Alex and Kate, and... uh, this is when Hogan calls uh calls Bert back, and is this when we start the joke of like they're repossessing all of Bert's stuff?
1: Um, is that what they were doing?
4: I don't know. All I know is in this scene we get the great line from Bert because he's like, uh, just make sure you uh, I kind you just do one more thing for me, turn off my gas. Hogan's like, why can't you do it? Cause my head'll be in the oven.
1: Oh jeez. <laughs>
4: And uh, basically, so Sean is having his his doubts about you know being this because he's basically like we need a nanny and uh, Mason tells him you know like I'm I'm working on it. Well, he goes into the kitchen and this is when he meets you know character stereotype number fifty seven.
1: Uh, um, her name is Caroline. Uh, uh, no, Corrine is her name.
4: Wait, it's Corrine. I thought it was Maureen.
1: No, it's Corrine, played by Joanne Hart, better or as she's listed in the credits here by her stage name, Mother Love. That There's just sounds pro- like a porn name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I gotta say,
4: Cordell, could you name a more generic, stereotypical, like, you know, sassy African-American woman?
1: Okay, but I like this character. Oh, she's like, just so one note. I love I know but like I love her banter with Hulk Hogan.
4: I do like this introduction cuz he's like sniffing a pie and then just the cleaver comes out of nowhere. <laughs> nice
1: shot. What do you mean nice shot? I missed. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when she's crossing off the the names of the nannies. Hulk Hogan's like, "That don't look like a lot of nannies." <laughs> <laughs> Present
4: yeah so she basically conveys to hulk hogan um you know you're just the latest in a long line of you know nannies and that these kids are are mortal terrors and we uh we understand that because the next couple minutes are just a sequence of uh you know gags as hulk hogan walks into his room
1: and she does have a great line when he's like i can take care of myself and then he hits his head on the door and she she has this this great line where she goes I hope your blue cross is paid up.
4: <laughs> yeah, so he so he walks into his bedroom and first he trips, which I thought was pretty funny. Because uh the kids have set up a bunch of tripwires. But then he opens the closet <laughs> and they have a shoot with a bowling
1: ball. This is straight up Home Alone shit right here. <laughs> that goes and
4: hits him in the face. I'm not going to lie. I laughed at that. And I think um, I have, quote, the old bowling ball in the closet trick, followed by I am not proud for laughing, followed by. But, hey, it's better than cocaine bear.
1: <laughs> and then when he, he goes into the bathroom. He opens and the door and just gets dunked with water. And uh, <laughs> so the, the dad, the kids, they're
4: sitting down to dinner. And uh, the kids are basically, shit, I wish I knew the lines as good as you did, Cordell. Because, you know, they say something about, like, Hulk Hogan. Well, he goes, and we see them, like, setting up shit on the stairs. Because he walks over to the stairs, he looks down, and they have a, um, you know, like, roller skate on the top step. Well, he grabs it, and, you know, he's like, ha, good try. But they, what did they do? They, like, buttered the step with a tripwire? wire. Yes. Well, he goes following down the stairs and, you know, the little girl says something snarky.
1: He puts, uh, I think they put a tripwire and then they like took butter and they like rubbed it on the hand railing so he, he couldn't grab it for support. <laughs> and this these is where kids I'm, are fucking nightmare. Dude, that's what I have. Literally, I have
4: these kids are psychopathic.
1: <laughs> these kids ma- put Macaulay Culkin to shame. And the dad rewards them. He's like, oh, let's go get ice cream. I'm like, these kids are trying to kill Hulk Hogan. This is not a movie to teach you how to be a parent.
4: Oh, my God, no. I um, This is my exact quote. They're going to get a lot of these. The dad is rewarding these little shits behavior. <laughs> But this is also where like, you know, we're supposed to get a little bit of sympathy because uh we find out from the cook that uh the kid's mom is dead and she's like, you know, it all went downhill from there. And um Oh man. See, I wish I could remember the individual scene. So we cut back to this is where we find out Frank has been betraying Mr. Mason because we find out the bad guy is this Mr. Thanatos.
1: Oh, I love this. So it how the scene just starts with him in front of like a thing of water and Thanatos is just slowly winding up like a piece of wire. He goes, "I don't think you like me, Frank."
4: I got to say, dude, this this guy almost kills the movie. I hate the actor for Thanatos.
1: You know what? I I almost. I do not agree.
4: Sometimes he's can't be fun, but whenever he like does that stupid, like cross his eyes crap, I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Well. Uh, should we wait to get into it about why he has what he has on his head? Or should we should we wait or should we get into it now?
4: Well, we do see in this scene, we find out he uh, he's ripped a page off of Chop Top's book. Because the top half of his skull was made of metal.
1: Yeah, he has a metal skull plate on.
4: And why does he have that, Cordell? We shall find out.
1: But we but this this also sets up that he does not like uh he's very prone. Like someone needs to get this guy like an endless supply of Tylenol.
4: Is this when he does the whole, like, he's, like, clutching his head because of the noise?
1: Yeah, because Frank says that he has a plan to break into the corporation, and Thanatos goes, stop, and then he, like, grabs his head, and you hear, like, a like a ringing sound. They always play, like, this uh, high-pitched sound to indicate that Thanatos has, like, got a migraine or something.
4: Yeah, so we um we basically find out Frank is working for this guy and he uh you know, he threatens Frank, Frank and cuz he wants the chip. I I don't know what the hell he tells him, but <laughs>
1: he he basically says no one will stop me from getting that chip.
4: Yeah, this, you. this guy is, you know, cartoon villain, evil, McBadface. You know, I mean it's it's not played for anything more than that.
1: It's a $10 million movie. I don't think they were looking for, like, Dr. Evil here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we
4: cut back to the uh, house, and we see Hulk Hogan's walking along. And I got to say, though, Alex's room, I want his room, man. Alex makes
1: some pretty fucked up shit.
4: Because he's got, like, this room that's, like, got all this, like, blacklight planets, like, space shit, and he's blasting heavy metal.
1: Basically, yeah. your average teenager room from the 90s.
4: And this is where I found out that I have seen Alex before. The actor? Yeah. Robert Gorman. Do you know what else this kid was in, Cordell? He has horror cred.
1: Uh, I am going... Hold up. I am uh-huh. going... What
4: can you
3: guess
5: uh no, I
1: cannot.
4: He is the kid from Leprechaun.
1: Wait a minute, hold on i I tried clicking on his name and uh Wikipedia, but it kept taking me to something else. Let me go to Robert Woman. He was in. Oh, yep, Leprechaun. He was also in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead.
4: Oh, I never saw that. He's the one at the end of Leprechaun. He's like, fuck you, Lucky Charms.
1: Uh, He was in a movie called Leatherheads and Forever Young. He doesn't really have a whole lot of stuff to his name. Most of it's like. Oh, well, yeah, mostly TV. He was in Boy Meets World. Oh, he was in that show. I haven't seen. Holy shit. I haven't heard about that show since 2005. What show? Have you ever heard of a show that was on NBC called Surface? No, I haven't. It was a show that for some reason I was really into. It was like. About. uh, Let me click on it. A marine biologist, an insurance salesman, and a teenage boy find their lives fundamentally changed by the emergence of a new and often dangerous species of sea life. Oh, interesting. Was it good? Um, I didn't really get. I don't think the show. The show only lasted from 2005 to 2006, but I liked what I watched. So. I mean, it was an okay, but yeah, he was in Leprechaun. i am going to ask you something, because I saw a picture of this kid when he was in Leprechaun, and he was sleeping next to a Chucky doll. Oh, really? Yeah, did Chucky make a cameo appearance in Leprechaun?
4: I have no idea, to be honest with you. I really don't
5: know. Let's do a quick Google, because our listeners love when we do that. Uh, ah, no, not that I know of. That's weird. Hmm. Man,
4: no idea. Um. Anyway. Uh so Hulk Hogan looks in at him, you know, like uh working on his stuff, blaring heavy metal, and he just goes kids, and I'm like, I hate kids too, Hulk. But so then we cut to the next morning and uh Sam is taking the kids to school. His name is Sam, right? Yep, Sean.
1: Sean. Like, <laughs> wait, who's Sam? Sam? <laughs>
4: Sean's taking the kids to school, and we get this whole like, you know, little comedic bit where they're like, "Wear the hat," are you? Because you're the chauffeur, and he's like, "I'm not the chauffeur." And then at the little shit, Alex is like, "Well, you drive us, and we own the car, so you are the chauffeur." I really hated this kid, Cordell. I don't know about you.
5: Yeah,
1: like I said, I have a hard time hating on, uh, what's her name? Kate. Yeah, Madeline Zima is Kate because I think like what she was like maybe like four, five when this (laughs) maybe even six when this movie was made. But yeah, yeah, I I can't can't stand Alex. He (laughs) is a little shit stain.
4: So he uh he drives him to school because he ends up wearing the hat because she screams. And uh, we cut. Oh,
1: God, to... that pitch, though.
4: <laughs> I know. Cause so we cut to uh, Hulk Hogan sitting with her in the classroom. And as I say so eloquently, Hulk Hogan is sitting here wondering when the check clears. <laughs> but uh, Kate gets why does she get sent to the principal's
5: office? Is it just for talking? I think so.
4: Yeah, for whatever reason, the uh, the teacher sends them to the principals, and this is when we get our first uh, first kind of like bonding moment between Hulk and her, and I kind of like that, because she's like, I'm not talking to you. Well, we found out earlier, this is the high school Sean went to, or elementary school, and they're sitting on the bench outside the principal's office, and we see S.A. is carved into the bench, and he's like, ah, it's still here. And she's like, what is? And he shows it to her. And she's like, you did that? And he's like, yep, took years and years of a paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I thought that was kind of a sweet little moment.
1: Yeah, she kind of. Uh, Kate warms up to Sean a lot, a little bit quicker than Alex does. Yeah, so the principal
4: comes out, and I don't know if, like, the joke is supposed to be that he's, like, intimidated by Hulk Hogan, but. Basically, is, you know, uh, Sean's like, you know, glasses sixty three or whatever. Virgil's like, well, always good to see an alumni, and <laughs> just like, sends them on their way. Uh, so kind of a pointless scene there.
1: Uh, are we also introduced to the idea of Alex getting bullied in this scene?
4: Ah, uh, no, that happens later.
1: Okay, I, I think. I'm going to be quite honest. I when I went back and watched this, it w- I was shocked at how really I mostly remembered the beginning of the movie and then like the last what 30 minutes of the movie.
4: Yeah, see if I didn't have my notes, this would be another earnest situation where we're basically like, "What when did that funny moment happen?"
1: <laughs> yeah kind of one of those uh difficult things with these like low budget like you know movies that people don't remember because it's really just filled with a bunch of filler
4: yeah it just it just exists to balance between like you know funny moment to funny moment allegedly funny moment uh but we cut back to uh I forget. I don't think he's at. No, he's not at the school. He's back at the house. Well, Bert's uh, Bert calls him again, you know, and Hulk Hogan's basically like if we don't get a nanny. I need to quit. And this is when we start doing the kind of gag of like all of Bert's stuff is getting repossessed.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> like there's just like guys all around him, like taking his like uh, refrigerator and shit. Well, uh, we cut back to the kids and they're down in the like weight room. And I got to say, that's a pretty nice home gym.
1: I was a little jealous. Yeah, and these kids are about to completely destroy it.
4: <laughs> well, Alex, he's a little inventor because he has a like electromagnet that you can like remote control. And basically he uses it to like pull a weight to it. And so they're basically, you know, setting up Hulk Hogan to fail. Well, he comes in, and I gotta say, very bad form, Hulk, because you're working out in jeans and work boots.
1: He's a wrestler. I don't know how...
4: The guy's jacked.
1: I mean, wrestlers don't... Wrestlers don't skip leg day.
4: (laughs) I'm just saying, work boots are a bad idea. Gotta get blisters, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, but doesn't he, like... Isn't, like, one of the first things that he gets... That he uses, isn't it, like, the... The thing that you sit on is like riding a bike.
4: Yeah. So first he hops up onto the stationary bike and the kids are like, oh, we preset it for you. Oh, <laughs> ah, okay. they're acting all nice. And did you notice, Cordell, that the bike had a uh, setting? It was like high, fast, very fast, way too fast, coronary. Yes, I did notice that. <laughs> Which is a simple gag, but it made me chuckle. Well, they're like, don't worry, we pro Alex is like, we pre-programmed the bike for you. And he's like, ah, thanks. So they walk out of the room and he starts pedaling and, you know, we get the simple gag of like the bike just goes way too fast and they speed up the film. And uh, eventually he just goes so fast that like he rips the bike apart,
1: basically. (laughs) I like it. He's like, he's like, oh, God, whoa, somebody stop this thing.
4: And then he gets off of it, and he's like, nice workout. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets down on the bench where they've got the electromagnet underneath. And, I mean, he's benching. I don't know if those weights are fake or what, but that is a lot of weight. Um,
1: Now this is the kind of gag that could kill somebody.
4: Yeah, this is when they start actively trying – not that they weren't before, but – so, yeah, he's got the – He's bench pressing like probably, you know, 200 plus pounds. And uh, they activate the electromagnet and it gets like sucked down onto him. And I was like, oh, my God, you're going to crush his chest.
1: I I love how uh, Kate takes the remote and she keeps like going back and forth, back and forth. And he just keeps like like bench pressing like really fast. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah cause he, he's able to like lift it up and he's basically like I haven't worked out in a while Um, uh, but yeah they keep going it back and forth well they crank it all the way back and the fucking thing up <laughs> into the ceiling <laughs> and uh but then it falls back down and I was like cause I was like he's gotta get out of the way and uh, cause that thing like snaps the bench in half
1: I love the look on his face when it like flies all the way up to the ceiling, his eye gets wide. He's like, "Oh shit!"
4: <laughs> yeah, I have I have in my notes here. I'm like, they're trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so then after that, I guess we got to get a little scene, you know, for the mom stuck watching this VHS tape, because you know, Hulk's going into the shower.
1: Oh my god, this has got to be one. I laugh so fucking hard at this scene.
4: And yeah, he goes the he goes to turn on the shower and the uh, the water doesn't come on, but I guess they rigged the uh they rigged the thing cuz the faucet um the shower head pops out and whacks him in the face. Yes.
1: I lost my shit. It's the sound. How it makes like that. And then it like just sucker punches him right in the face.
4: <laughs> and uh but then he looks down, and he notices there's a wire leading into the room with all the water on the floor. <laughs> and this is fucked up, Cordell. Because <laughs> those little brats literally try to electrocute him. <laughs> and uh, y- you know the line.
3: Oh, just, I what definitely- does the
4: girl say? She says the boy's like, ah, eh, don't worry, it's just a little jolt. It shouldn't kill him. And she's like, turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh my god.
1: And his fucking hair goes like fucking fried standstill.
5: <laughs>
4: I love uh, that scene
5: so much.
4: And then he walks out and they're up on the stairs like, did you have a good shower? And his hair's all like uh, fucking sitting on end or whatever. <laughs> and, uh...
1: Okay, all I have is the cook is Hulk's conscious. Do you, do you remember the scene, Cordell? Is this the one where like she's making like chocolate pudding or something? Yeah.
3: Like, yeah.
1: Where he tells yeah. he tells her to like he goes to her and basically says something that's like I'm thinking I might just have to quit or something.
5: And uh,
1: so she goes to she, like she, she goes to. Yeah, she goes to cross his name off. He's like, you know what? I think I'm going to stick around. And doesn't he like she tells him to like suck it up. So he goes, I am sucking it up. And he goes, here, have some more. Smacks him on the head with the spatula. Just leaves like a whole like a big glop of like chocolate frosting on his head.
4: Yes, 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 because this is kind of where, like, yeah, and this is, like, I do like the dynamic between these two, like you were saying, because, like, she really does play off of uh, off of Hulk Hogan pretty well.
1: But she does make a point. He's the, he's the only one who's lasted as long as he has.
4: Yeah, that's true. Um yeah, I'm going through my notes here. How to not parent 101. I, I think the dad comes back, right?
1: Yeah, so dad comes home, looks inside the uh, wait-woo, and is like, oh, what happened?
4: Yeah, and the place is literally in shambles. Everything's broken. And the kids even, like, admit to breaking it, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think they. Ad- I think they admit to it. And, you know... Hulk Hogan tries to talk to him, basically says, like, you know, need to figure out, like, when you get getting another nanny. Um, But this is the scene where the kids are over, uh, like, listening in on their conversation. And he kind of, like, I don't know, Mason says something to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's like, I'm sorry you lost your wife, but if you can't give these kids what they need, get rid of them.
4: Yeah, that was the line. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Family therapy via Hulk Hogan. He's like, uh, you know, yeah, if you can't take care of kids, get rid of them.
1: And and Kate says something to the line of, I guess he really doesn't care about us. Girl, what have you done to make him care about you?
5: (laughs) Besides, try to
1: kill him,
4: torment the guy.
5: Um,. So after this,
1: Frank, we cut back to Frank, and he's led Thanatos and his crew to the corporation.
4: I did laugh that we see the guards are just, like, tied up outside.
1: And it is a family movie. They can't kill nobody.
4: <laughs> I know, and this is where uh, we do meet a couple more uh, of uh goons. Like, this is where uh, Wolfgang really... Get center stage.
1: Yeah, I I love this. He's got a German guy working for him, a Japanese guy working for him.
4: Uh, One guy's Hispanic, right? I think.
1: Yeah, I I think he's got his. He's either got a Hispanic or Italian guy working for him named Jocko. Hey,
4: Thanatos does not discriminate.
1: No, he is. He is the employer of Axis. (laughs) i literally like i that's one thing that always stuck with me on this i'm like really he employed a japanese person a german and an italian he literally just hired the Axis powers
4: i guess he had that guy has to be italian then because that only that's the only thing that makes sense
1: (laughs) i'm like this guy literally hired the Axis powers (laughs)
4: but uh yeah so they have frank i guess at the safe where the chip's supposed to be in and he keeps like trying to enter the code And it doesn't uh, it keeps giving him an error. And so Thanatos has Wolfgang literally rip the safe out of the uh, wall. And no,
1: no, no, no. Wolfgang pushes him out of the way and then just rips it out of the wall because Thanatos goes, Wolfgang, stupid, (laughs) very stupid. Now I'm getting a migraine. (laughs) Do not worry, Thanatos.
4: And Wolfgang, I love how Wolfgang is stronger than steel because he literally rips the, uh, you know, door off of the safe.
1: I love that. And they look inside and Thanatos is like, it's empty, Frank. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) I can I can remember a lot of Thanatos's lines in this because I always thought he was just an over the top villain.
4: Well, thank God I have you, Cordell, because I couldn't tell you dick that this guy said. I don't I don't have a lot to say about Thanatos. You know, he's a silly dumb villain. I mean the guy plays it really over the
1: top, which is fine. And I like Frank in the scene. He tries to defend himself saying, Sir, this was not my idea, this was yours. And he goes to one of the guys, says, Here, why don't you just hit me right here? And Wolfgang stops him and he walks up to it and he fucking punches Frank right over the banister.
4: I know, I love the payoff later with Frank.
1: And so Thanatos has got a major headache going on right now, so he like takes his head and he just rams it through a wall.
4: <laughs> that was pretty funny.
1: But this is uh this is when we cut to the next day
4: though, and this is where we get the bully scene. I guess it's in the morning, and we see uh Sean and uh, Kate are watching Alex walk down the hall, and uh these two bullies stop him and basically you know make him empty out his wallet. And uh you know I got to say I know we're supposed to feel bad for Alex but I don't feel much sympathy Cordell
5: Not really Alex is an annoying little shithead And uh,
1: But uh yeah so he gets bullied at school and the next scene he takes his anger out on Sean by tricking Sean into jumping into the swimming pool filled with red dye. Yeah, I wondered, um, well, th-
4: before that, we do get a quick scene of uh, Mason and Frank, who's now in like a neck brace.
1: <laughs> yes.
4: I did like this scene because he's like talking to Frank, and at one point he like grabs him.
1: <laughs> like, I love how Frank, Frank has off. to like keep writing down stuff on paper. <laughs>
4: yeah that that pays off later in the funniest scene in the movie um and i forget what mason says but basically mason is like going to dc i guess to like give the chip to the feds or something in a couple days yeah um but yeah so we cut back to the uh house and sean is talking again with what did you say your name was kareen He's talking with Kareen and uh, we did see the kids and Kate is kind of warming up to Sean because she's basically like, you know, he's just he's being a good guy. And Alex is like, all right, I'll call a truce if he survives the lake of blood. And she's a like, all right, I'll, go get, I'll go get the seaweed.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. When he comes out of this. I when I was a kid, I really thought maybe they put filled like the pool with blood or something. <laughs> Cause this looks pretty grotesque, like for a kids movie. Doesn't this look grotesque? It does. The only thing that annoys me is we never see it. I don't know if they didn't have the budget for it or what. I mean, but, how much of a budget do you need for a swimming pool of red dye? I don't know, but you, you notice that, right? They
4: never showed it to us.
1: Oh, they show them getting out of a pool. I don't. Yeah, they don't ever actually show inside the pool itself.
4: Yeah well he's talking with kareen and we hear kate does she say she's drowning or something i can't remember
1: yeah this is which is pretty
4: fucked up and kareen knows that it's a trick she's basically does she call him a sucker i think yep (laughs) she's like don't do it and at first he doesn't and then she like kate goes i'm drowning and he sprints off and she's like sucker well (laughs) uh yeah so he jumps on the diving board and i did like that the diving board broke (laughs) And, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. he comes out and he does look, it does look really gross and grotesque.
1: And yeah, just with all that red and that seaweed on him and like the look of fury on his face, because he's got like that Hulk Hogan wrestling look on his face. Oh, out of that pool looking pissed off.
4: That's it. Cordell, we totally missed it. How that scene began in the kitchen. We mi- we miss talking about Hulk Hogan sensuously licking mayo. <laughs> I
1: completely blanked that scene.
4: Because he's making himself the big hoagie. You remember that? And we get this whole <laughs> scene where, like, he spreads the hoagie and then licks it off the spoon.
1: Oh, my gosh.
4: <laughs> I know we're all over the place, folks. But, again, um, like we were talking about with Ernest, it's kind of tough to, like, talk about just, like, a series of comedic gags. But, you know, at least we have notes this time. Ooh, yes. But um, he, he walks back into the house, and this is when um they also hit him with flour, right?
1: Oh. Everyone's and, got a fucking, everyone's got a fucking limit, dude.
4: <laughs> and, yeah, he is pissed. I also know that this place must be a bitch to clean, because these goddamn kids are always, like, getting dye on the floor and flour and...
1: <laughs> That's going to be uh, funny later when their dad comes home and there's, like, bloody red footprints tracked throughout the house.
4: Yeah, and I thought they were going to, like, make a joke about, like, he thought someone got killed, but they don't really go there. Um, But, yeah, Hulk Hogan loses his shit, but since this is, like, a family movie, he doesn't really lose it that bad. But he basically is, like, you know, sit on the couch to the kids. And Alex,
1: uh yeah. yeah, and Alex being the rebel tries to get up and he goes, Sit down. But and, and then when he goes upstairs, they're like, I hope he doesn't run into such and such, and all of a sudden you hear a crash. Oh <laughs> and and oh yeah, he goes upstairs and he that's when he hits like the flower thing, and then he comes back down and goes. I mean it because <laughs> he tells him not to move from that couch.
4: Yeah, and he's he's at his breaking point. Um, and we do get he calls Bert again. And this scene made me laugh because Bert's is basically down to just his phone in his house. And he's like fighting with the guy who's trying to take it. <laughs> I don't even know what he says to Bert, but you know he's basically like, you know, like this sucks. Like I want to quit, blah blah blah. And uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mason comes back home and he sees the red footprints and he's like, "What are you guys doing on the couch?" And they're like, "Oh, we're being punished."
1: He's like, "Yeah, I can see that." And he asks Sean what happened. He's like, well, "I lost my, I lost my cool."
4: Yeah, we get more family counseling via Dr. Hogan.
1: But this is the point to where Alex and Kate tend to calm down a little bit with Sean. Like, from this point out, there's no more gags.
4: Yeah, this is the end of them, like, you know, pulling the Home Alone shit on him.
1: Uh, So after that... So basically from this scene right here, so um, Mason tells Sean that he's going to be leaving for D.C. early. Um, uh, the next couple of scenes is basically like what, like him just saying goodbye to his kids.
4: Yeah, he says goodbye to his kids. And then um, then we cut to Hogan goes going back to work out. And this is when we get the scene where like Alex walks in and uh, he's still a little shit at first but finally he's like you know like I want you to teach me how to you know like defend myself and so we kind of get a little bit of backstory for Sean about how like his dad was a bastard to him and he basically had to graduate and like teach himself how to uh, uh how to when do we get the okay we don't get that yet um but yeah you know he had to teach himself how to stand up for himself basically so it's him and alex like in the mirror you know when he teaches it's kind of a good little bonding moment where he's teaching alex like you know like just be loose with your arms and even if you're nervous no one else is gonna know that
1: i love it when he high fives alex though and alex walks away like ow <laughs> he goes like hey where are you going and then we, uh,
4: so then we cut back to, he goes up to say goodnight to Kate, and, uh, you know, he has another bonding moment with her, and I think my note uh, sums it up best when Hulk Hogan has to walk in, because the cold, dead look in Hogan's eyes tell us, tells us the viewer that, no, the check hasn't cleared yet. <laughs> I, I swear, like, he did not look happy in that scene, dude.
1: Yeah, that uh, seems a little painful when he's trying to be, like, uh, when he's trying to, like, show, like, some sort of emotion.
4: I did like the line when he goes, I lost my dad when I was a kid, but I don't think he went to heaven. And the little girl just, like, points down.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Um. And, yeah, so Hulk Hogan, like, basically, you know, reads her a story and, uh. Does he read her? No, he sings her a song. Well, she starts singing the song to him and he falls asleep, which is kind of amusing.
1: (laughs) And And then he's like, wake up.
4: (laughs) But she makes him take her doll because she's like, you know, we'll take care of Dolly for the night. And so he goes back down and this is when the dad hasn't left yet. And Hogan's basically like to dad, well, you know, you should say goodnight to your kids. Well, the uh, the dad takes the doll and he hides the chip behind one of its eyes, you know. And I don't really get why the dad did that. Did he suspect Frank?
1: No, he doesn't suspect Frank, but he doesn't know who to trust now. Like, OK, you know, he doesn't trust having the chip in like any type of safe or anything like that, because. I don't know. a so it's. It's
4: a plot convenience. So, yeah, but basically Hogan's like, you know, say goodnight to your kids. And this is where the Hogan family therapy is starting to work. uh, Because, you know, the dad goes into Alex's room. And did you catch he was reading uh, Unusual Weapons of the Inquisition?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Which
4: I thought was pretty funny. And the dad's like, I'm coming. I'm here to say goodnight to you. Is that really so unusual? And. You know, we get the feel-good, like, dad saying goodnight to the son, and then he goes and says goodnight to the daughter.
1: I mean, it's nice to see him actually hug his kids for once.
4: Yeah, and you can tell he realizes, like, you know, I need to be there for my kids more. Um, well, he gets in the in the limo with Frank, and... They go past the airport and it's like a Friday the Thirteenth moment. Wasn't that the entrance to Camp Crystal Lake back there? Because he's like, "Hey, we missed the turn for the airport." Well, the uh, front uh, thing comes down and we see, dun dun dun.
1: It's Wolfgang. And he does. He te- he basically tells Mason like, uh, "Mr. Thanatos, uh, been wanting to meet you for some time now," or something like that. And like he's like Fanatos. Is that the guy that and then like the doors all lock? And now Mason's starting to panic.
4: And this is where we get the one legitimately like hilarious scene in the movie, Cordell. Because he's like, Frank, Frank, do something. And Frank writes on a cue card and hands it to him. I work for Mr. Thanatos. Wait, Frank, why?
1: (laughs) Frank writes on the cue card. I, I love how he's like he's like how could you do this? He, I love it, like Mason throws his head back and yells, How could you do this to me? Money <laughs> <laughs> And then he writes him a third one and he goes, Ha ha <laughs> And then <laughs> he goes
3: He's
4: like as soon as as soon as he's done with you, he's just gonna eject you. Doesn't he say like literally eject you or what is he saying?
1: Yeah, basically so like Sanatos don't need Frank no more. So he just like... The Wolfgang basically just ejects Mm -hmm. him through the sunroof.
4: But dude, when he's like, "Why? how could you do this for me? And he just scribbles, money! (laughs) (laughs) I fucking... I lost my shit.
1: And that's the end of Frank. We don't know what happens to him. Don't know...
4: What? I guess he's splattered on the pavement. I don't know.
1: No, I don't... I would like to think that someone found Frank and then like he went to jail or something because like this is not the kind of movie to randomly just kill someone.
4: He uh he made his way back to Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Um Yeah, so then uh back at the house we get a knock at the door and Bert shows up. And uh, you know, the kids basically are like, Oh, who the heck is this? And this is where we get. So throughout the movie, they basically kept mentioning that Bert saved uh, Frank's life. He took a bullet for him. And so finally, we find out how that was, like why that happened. So we get a flashback. And this is kind of (laughs) a I don't know even what to make of this, Cordell. So it's uh, like after a wrestling match and. I did like that they tied it back in. This is after uh, the like hotel took their clothes because uh, Sean's telling Bert or Bert's telling Sean with the money. We can go back, get your uh, clothes back from the hotel.
1: Gee, you really know how to hurt a guy when he's down. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically we find out that these two had a history with Tommy Thanatos. Even though they don't even know Thanatos is involved yet.
4: Yeah, they kind of awkwardly have to shoe in the uh, the history angle here because uh, Thanatos walks into the locker room and he's basically
1: like, I had a lot of money riding on you throwing that match. Do you want me to do this?
4: Yeah, I want you to do this.
1: I ordered you to throw that match. It cost me money. Big money. Oh, yeah. Bigger than your hair. We don't throw matches. Of course, if we were soaked in some gasoline, we might throw some matches, the flaming kind. And with that football on top of your head, you make one hell of a torch. First, you defy me. Then you mock my hair. You're dead. And we get like a slow-mo shot of Banner Toast pulling out a gun. He goes to shoot Sean and Bert uh, g- gets in front of him. I kind of laugh at the way Bert kind of like starts hugging on Sean. Because he's like. He's like hugging up on him, like, look out and he gets shot in the leg. So. Sean, uh, well, this is how, you know, Thanatos is a lame ass uh, villain, because he only had one fucking bullet in the chamber.
4: I thought the gun jammed.
1: I don't know. That's how it looked like to me. Oh, I thought the gun looked like it was completely spent. (laughs)
4: <laughs> well he's lame because he's running up the stairs and there's like a rent cop he just pushes over and he's like out of my way and then Sean stops he's like he's mine
1: so Sean chases Thanatos up to the roof and he throws him against the wall and they try, he tries to go at him well Thanatos grabs an axe and he's like I'll cut you down to size <laughs> I will say his
4: fucking hair for the scene was cracking me up
1: I really love that at the end of this movie, we find out that Thanatos really has it in for Sean and Bert, all because of his hair. So, Thanatos runs at Sean with the axe, and he takes a swing. Well, Sean ducks, and Thanatos goes uh, over the side of the building. We cut back to the present, and Sean's telling the kids that Thanatos went head first into the pool next door. Well I guess the it's
4: out there, like it must have been a big splash. He's like, nah, the pool was empty. It was empty
1: and it would have killed him, but his hair cushioned the fall. Of course they couldn't scoop up all his brain goo or anything, so he got so at least he got a nice steel plate and a slammer. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened why Thanatos has a skull plate on his He took a head dive into an empty pool.
4: Yeah, so then the kids are basically like, well, you get the sense that Bert's been called in as like backup. You know, he's the second bodyguard.
1: He's like, what can you do now, Pappy? What can I do now? And all he does is like swing his stick around. Nah, he's
4: doing some like kung fu shit with the...
1: God. Oh yeah, it's
4: not even—it's not the actor though. Did you notice that they kept like cutting away?
1: Yeah, it's only—yeah, it's a pretty impressive close-up.
4: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So then you know the kids are impressed with Bert. So the next day they take the kids to school, and I thought this scene was funny because the uh, Bert uh, you know Sean takes Kate and Bert takes Alex, and he keeps being like, "All right, here's how you deal with your bullies," and he pulls out some brass knuckles. <laughs> And then he, uh, what does he pull out? He's like, ah, you want something stealthy, right? Here's a blackjack. One whack over the head, and their brains will be splattered all over.
1: This is a else? violent movie for kids.
4: I know, right? What else does he pull out? He, and then he, he he pulls out, uh, some mace. He's like, yeah, bring the little mace on him. And then finally, this is the funniest. He's like, ah, you want the lead pipe? And he pulls this, like... Four foot long lead pipe out of his pants. I guess only I thought that was funny.
1: I was just like amazed that, like, man, you brought this stuff to a school now. You would, the school would be on lockdown. Um, The police would be there. The news would be there.
5: I know, right?
1: Yeah, there's. uh This is really only something you could do in a 90s movie.
4: Well, Alex turns down all of, you know, the the helper offers and he's basically like, nah, I got to do it my own way. So he walks up and the bullies are basically like, ah, you're learning, huh? You're coming here to bring us the money. And, uh, you know, Alex stands up for himself. Well, they grab the wallet and we see the wallet is like got a wire or rope or something attached to it. And they're like, ah, did your mommy do this for you? And Alex is like, don't talk about my mom. Well, they open the wallet and he's like jury rigged it with electricity. So it doesn't blow up. It like zaps him and blows up in his face.
1: Yeah, it like kind of shocks him. And that's enough. That's enough for these two uh, bullies to I tell what the fuck out of there. So,
4: you know, Alex has a, I don't know what good Hulk Hogan did for him. Cause he didn't actually, you know, use any of the shit Hulk Hogan taught him, but he did, uh, he did fight back against his bullies. But this is a, this is a scene I'm sure Cordell will loves because we then cut to Thanatos getting his skull polished.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd love to, he's getting like his skull polished and he's like the look on his face is kind of like that look when like you sit in a vibrating chair and it's like really relaxing but he immediately like scowls when he stops is like other sides even this time
4: <laughs> and i did this kind of made me wonder so we find out they're they've been uh torturing the dad because they have the dad like tied up on a like chain crane and i guess they keep like dipping him in the the water because they're at the docks
1: that water looks nasty.
4: I know, right? It's like gray,
1: green, like, ugh. It's like a misty gray color. So they That's lift a- him up, and I like NaNoTosis. eyes like, I do love torture as much as the next person. I really do. But I'm on a time crunch here. Why is he on a time crunch? Like, why do you need to get this chip so fast?
4: Yeah, I didn't understand that. And then he's like, to the dad, he's like, look, I'm just a businessman like yourself. Name your price. And I'm like, well, if you can afford the, like, why do you need to, like, are you serious when you say that? Like,
1: I don't understand this Thanatos guy. Look, Okay, Mason has a corporate business. This guy has a warehouse. <laughs> I don't think his business is that legit. And especially May- when he's when his warehouse and, like, the docks are covered in, like, armed uh, guards. Now, well, I don't know about you, man, but I'd be looking at that like, hmm, that's kind of sus.
4: Oh, it definitely is sus. Well, Mason's not playing any ball, you know? He's basically like, I'm not going to negotiate for the chip. And, uh... Doesn't Fanto say something along the lines of, well, you know, we'll see how, you know, Alex Jr. and Kate think of that or whatever.
1: Yeah. And then that really sets uh, Senior off. But they just dunk him back in the water.
4: Yeah, I did think that was
1: funny. So we cut back to um the house and. uh What is it? Sean is having a tea party with Kate. Well, you have to play that gag, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, like the, and, and put that pinky up.
4: <laughs> I like how he does break the glass at first, though.
1: And then, uh, meanwhile, Bert is in the room with Alex, and Alex is showing him all these inventions he made. Uh toilet seat that shocks people, poison ivy toilet paper, this kid is a fucking evil bastard.
4: I know. He's a, he's a fucking psychopath. Um, yeah, but then it also... Well, it cuts between the tea party and then Alex... uh, Bert is kind of making the moves on Corrine. Yes, I did and like that. I had to rewind when... I forget what he says to her, but Alex says... The sexual tension energy in here is so thick I could cut it with a knife.
1: And then Corrine like gives him like this look. I think I'm too young to be in this conversation. I was like, did he just did he really just say that? <laughs> um, Doesn't like Bert say something like how he's got the looks and everything and Corrine tries to shoot him down? it's yeah. kind of smooth because he he takes an install and manages to make it work in his favor.
4: Oh yeah, Bert's uh you know, he's got the moves because she's getting into it. Well we cut back and uh in another yuck yuck scene, Hulk, Hulk Hogan's getting his hair done by the little girl. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean I don't I forget what he says during it, but He the- says
1: something about no ponytails.
4: Yeah, he's like, no ponytails, right? Um, well, yeah, and, and so after that, that's when uh, Bert gets shown the inventions by Alex.
1: Oh, this is my favorite scene right here. So Bert's walking around the house with Alex, telling him what it's like to be tough. He's like, tough is this and tough is that. And then they start, tough is... A three hundred pound man in tights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the camera cuts, and we see Kate, and she's standing next to Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan's got this big pink tutu on.
4: And they're both doing the the ballerina dance. And I like how he's like Bert. I'm a
1: changed man. <laughs> I like it how, I like how they just stand there for a couple minutes doing the poses, and then he notices. Uh, Bert, is like, Bert, lovely to see you. You look positively effervescent. May I offer you tea? He's like, knock it off. Get out of that thing. You mean my leotard? Ah, the ballet? It, It enhances grace. And he picks up Bert and starts dancing around with him. Bert's like, ah, hey. He's like, put me down, you klutz. I'm not a klutz anymore, Bert. I'm a changed man.
4: I just wanna say, Cordell, I am immensely impressed that you knew all of that.
1: Dude, I've watched this movie multiple times as a kid. So I was excited to revisit this movie.
4: This man knows his uh Mr. Nanny, let me tell you.
1: Well they go crashing through the wind through uh patio door and well that kills the mood. <laughs> Well, then the door blows down.
4: Yeah, just as they go, just as they come back into the, uh, into the place, the door, the window, is it the door? Yeah, the door gets blown in and the three goons show up.
1: I really love how this guy owns, like, a business corporation, probably makes, like, stuff for the military, and he can't afford armed security.
4: I know, right? The best he's got is fucking Hulk Hogan.
1: (laughs) 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 So, uh... What is it hold up so the door gets blown down and Wolfgang uh Kiro and Jocko uh come walking in And Wolfgang has like one of the funniest lines he's like look at the big girly
4: man yeah I just think that was hilarious
1: it's like what do you want scus bucket we've come to play with the children over my dead body make that two dead bodies Queen comes out with a uh, Cle- Cleveland goes first one to move gets a facelift <laughs> but the uh the Chinese guy like quickly
4: knocks that out of her hand and sticks her in the closet
1: oh no he he knocks that out of her hand and uh Bert goes after him going you dirtbag <laughs> but Queen gets back up like saying something and Wolfgang comes up and starts choking like Puts his hand around her throat and starts choking her. Tells her to shut up. And then he throws her into the closet.
5: Ah, uh, okay.
1: Um, but I think the one guy, Jocko, I think he just kind of gets his ass handed to him by Hulk Hogan at first. Uh, but then uh, Qo, he starts uh beating up. He gets a few hits in on Sean. Well, Sean knocks him down,
4: and then Wolfgang jumps in too, and he starts beating up Sean.
1: Yeah, because he uh, Sean tries punching Wolfgang, and it does like has no effect.
4: Yeah, that's right, because he like punches him a bunch of times, and then he's like, now it is my turn.
1: Yeah, and he just mops the floor with Sean. So eventually, he. Uh, I don't know, he throws Sean, like, across the room or something into a bust, and he knocks Sean out. Well, they grab, oh, isn't this, like, where the cha- the Japanese guy goes after um the kids? And, yeah,
4: and Alex is like, here, take my wallet, there's $10,000 in it, and it zaps him.
1: Yeah, he, like, zaps him, like, right over the railing.
4: Yeah, and he hits, like, the marble floor. I was like, oh, my God.
1: So,
4: but he they, gets back up and grabs
1: them. So they grab the kids, and he basically like tells them to shut. Like Wolfgang tells them to shut up. Um, and they ask, uh, you know, what about Sean? And Wolfgang goes, "Business before pleasure." And for some reason, they take Bert with them. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Why did they take Bert? I don't know. I don't know if they knew about Bert. I don't know. Maybe if they knew Bert and Thanos had a hi- uh, Thanatos had a history. I was always weirded out that they took Bert with them, because they, they they were just there for the children. Maybe they
4: figured like let's take a hostage. I don't know. Quite I guess the kids are already a hostage. no. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, I know we kind of glossed over that, but, yeah, Hulk Hogan gets knocked out by the double team of the Chinese guy and or Japanese guy or whatever and uh, Wolfgang. And this is when I was like, why wasn't Wolfgang played by Steven Seagal, you know?
1: I don't know. Just, I think Peter <laughs> Kent Cordell. I don't know. I think Peter Kent looks pretty imposing it <laughs> as Wolfgang. Like, I don't think I'd fuck with him. No, no. He is
4: very imposing. Admittedly, you can see why he was Arnold's stunt double. Um. Well, this is when they get back to the dock, and the kids go. Dad's now tied up into a chair. And maybe you know more about this, because all I have is this: is when Thanatos is rambling, because he's so happy to see Bert, and he's like, Ah,
5: revenge. So he
1: he walks up to him, and they like. I like the kids. They're like meanie scum bucket. Well, Thanatos looks to it, uh, looks over, and he sees Bert. He goes, Bert, Bert Wilson, my my. He's like, what a delightful bonus. And uh, and so, um, Mister Mason, he goes, who is? Oh, well, Bert goes, Thanatos. I should have known. Who else would kidnap little children? And Alex, uh, Jr. He goes thanatos that's what happened to his head cool I <laughs> yeah mean, I, just,
3: just,
1: I mean i guess as a kid you'd find that slightly cool
4: i mean it is a it is a cool look like the prosthetic is actually pretty good at some parts. at some parts
1: well we're also gonna see later on that thanatos uses his his chrome dome as a weapon too
4: oh that's when it lost me dude i was like no way
1: yeah, how does that not give him a headache?
4: Yeah, because presumably his, his like brain is right underneath there, right? You would think.
1: That's what I always expect. That's what I always took. <laughs> um, so his dad asked, like, who's that? He's like, that's Sean's friend, but. Sean Armstrong. My. Revenge and ill-gotten gains all in one night.
5: I did like Look, that one, but every time that guy rolled his eyes, I wanted to shoot myself. <sighs> so.
1: They call so, what?
4: Yeah, so then we cut back to the house and we see all the cops are there. And thankfully, Hulk Hogan is changed out of the tutu.
1: Yeah, that I think the cops would have more questions about that.
4: And I love because the phone rings and Corrine grabs it and the cops like, hey, hold up. And she's like. Go get your lieutenant. He's like, I am the lieutenant. And she's basically like, oh, my God.
1: Lord help us all.
4: <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, Alex calls and he basically tells, uh, you know, Hulk, he tells Sean, look, the uh, the chip is hidden in the toilet seat in my room. Uh, bring that in my wallet to the dock. And, uh, you know, come alone. Well, he also gets out right before he hangs up. He's like, it's Thanatos. And this is when Thanatos is like really evil because he actually hits Alex. Yeah, he hits Alex pretty hard.
1: He goes very stupid. Well, actually, we missed the scene before this because after this scene, when he tells him it's Thanatos, um, he has the kids tied up. But before this. He goes to him and says, where's the chip? And basically, uh, Alex Jr. says, it's in Sean's room. And Thanatos is like, there may be hope for this family yet. When I have the chip, you and your family may leave, but not but. And then he goes on like a monologue about my Beautiful, precious hail. And we quick,
3: dude,
1: you are that upset about your hail?
4: But we'll quickly find out he has no intention of actually um, honoring. No, his word. Mean,
1: no, of course not. But um, um, yeah, after he gets out the thanatos, he tells he says, Wolfgang, tie them up.
5: So basically, Sean hang, uh,
4: heads out while Korean distracts the cops.
5: I, don't, don't, I don't think
4: we th- really see that. He's just is like, you know, I got to go.
1: And this is where uh, Corrine reveals that she knows that Sean Armstrong is a wrestler. Because she saw him wrestle a year prior.
4: Oh, did she? I didn't understand that.
1: Yeah, she says something. is like, you're a wrestler. He's like, How, you knew? Why didn't you say anything? Because I had a good feeling about you. And I had such hope for you and these kids. So she knew who he was. Um. So yeah, he grabs the, uh, he goes upstairs, he grabs the uh, toilet, toilet thing. Yeah. And he heads out. And this is when
4: we get back into proper, like, action movie mood. So he's at the he rolls up to the docks on his motorcycle and there's uh there's two guys like standing on the end of it. And I like this move, but tell me this wouldn't like take all the skin off his arm, Cordell.
1: Uh, it would do that. I would also think it would really fuck up his bike. Because,
4: <laughs> yeah, he basically rides up at full speed and then like deliberately like falls his bike sideways. So it like flies off and like sends those two guys into the water. Uh, which it looks pretty cool, don't get me wrong.
1: So someone else comes up and he's like, Sorry about that, I need to have those brakes checked.
4: Yeah, and he's got like a gun uh gun pointed at him and
1: how does he How does he I, get this guy? I don't know, this scene's really poorly lit.
4: He like knocks him out or something.
1: He well, knocks he he him out, time. throws him into the boat.
4: And I do like this scene where he like pulls the guy back up and he's like, Which way are we go and the guy goes north.
1: Yeah, and so I mean, uh well, he's like sit, like at first the like, he tells the guy where he's gotta go and he says like yeah go to hell or something along that line. And then he like does and then he like hits him and then says, Where are we going? North. I knew you'd see it my way.
4: Well they pass the one marker that says like, you know, like fifty mile fifty three or whatever.
1: So he picks it he- back up. He's like, how many 53 Norths are there? One, obviously. Then why did we pass it twice?
4: <laughs> but this this goon's smarter than your average goon because he, he gets, like, a handcuff and handcuffs Hogan to the uh, steering wheel. And I thought this action scene was kind of impressive, Cordell, because there's, like, a long shot of the two of them on the boat, and I think it's moving.
1: I do like this scene. He manages to hit the guy. Is like, I'll kill you for that. So Hulk Hogan just rips the steering wheel off the thing. Yeah, and the guy
4: picks up, I think it's like the anchor or something.
1: Yes, he, he picks up the anchor, tries to swing it at uh, Hulk Hogan, lets the anchor go, it goes into the water. Well, Hulk Hogan looks down and he notices that the anchor, like the rope, is starting to unravel. He's like, Can I borrow your keys? Rips the keys off the guy's pants. Just as the ankle line goes taut and pulls the guy out to sea. That guy <laughs> might be dead. Oh, that guy
4: definitely is dead.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, I, I did like that scene a lot, actually. So he uh he rolls up to the docks and this is kind of a cool scene There's a guy on the edge. Well, we see uh all we see is his arm come up and just like grab the guy down.
1: And it was kind of like a cool, like Jason moment.
4: Yeah, it really was.
1: So, Thanatos well, is getting, like, impatient. He's like, they should be here by now.
4: Yeah, I like this one line. Do you remember what he says? Because he's like, that. the one guy's not responding. He's like, I don't pay for incompetence or something like that.
1: He's like, I will not tolerate ineptitude. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, well, we, hopefully- all, we also did miss the line where he tells Wolfgang, he's like, as soon as we have the chip, kill them all. Kate goes, oh, you lied. And Thanatos just goes, so sue me.
4: Oh, and I hate the reprise of that man
1: later on. Ugh. Oh, when Alex does it? I hate that. Ugh. Um Yeah, but come on, I mean that's expected. He does it to Kate, so of course someone's gonna do it back to him.
4: Yeah, but just whenever Alex talks, dude, this kid is so annoying.
1: Yeah, they needed a
4: better kid. I don't, it's funny because he's not that annoying in Leprechaun. I don't think he is anyway, but every time he opened his mouth in this movie, I was like, shut the fuck
1: up. Would you rather if Alex was played by, hmm, trying to think, who was the kid that played Anakin Skywalker in Phantom Menace? Nah, that would be
4: okay. Um, Cortland Mead might be pretty bad, though, the kid from the TV version of The Shining.
1: Oof. You you know, people never have anything nice to say about that kid.
4: Oh, he's terrible. And he's in in Hellraiser 4, too. But that's neither here nor there. But anyway, so Hulk Hogan comes swimming up through the center, like, uh, water opening in this warehouse where they were dunking the dad. Yes. This is kind of cool. He comes up with a gun, and he's, like, holding them at gunpoint. I was like, Hulk, I thought you were
1: family friendly. I like uh, I like Hill. He's like my my. I expected a more a more impressive entrance from someone who had wrestled at the West Memphis Port Pavilion. Hey, we won at West Memphis. But it's like, hey, we won at West Memphis, but not tonight. <laughs> so he gets so Hulk Hogan gets attacked by uh the Japanese dude. Uh, Kiro Kyojo, I don't know how to pronounce that name um so they're like kind of beating each other up and everything well Bert manages to uh get the an a k forty seven and he manage and he puts his uh his bound hands the rope over the nozzle and he uses his uh toe to uh, basically shoot his restraints off.
4: Yeah, so, I did like uh, I did like that. That was a cool scene.
1: So Thanatos tells Wolfgang to just shoot both the Japanese dude and uh, Hulk Hogan, but Butt comes up and hits the gun out of Wolfgang's hand, and Wolfgang gets mad.
4: Is this when Thanatos headbutts Burt?
1: Well, so. Thanatos go so Wolfgang goes after, uh, Bert, and Sean picks up that toilet bowl thing and swings the toilet bowl around Wolfgang's neck. I guess it shocks him, cause he cause Wolfgang makes like this noise. He goes like, Whoa! and then yeah, this is when uh, this is when Thanatos like lowers his head down and just kind of like head butts Bert. <laughs>
4: I did like, uh yeah, I did. I did. That was kind of like a head twist, like what the hell moment, but it was pretty amusing.
1: So then Thanatos uh, looks at Hulk Hogan, and goes, "Unlike you, I'm strong.
5: I never lose."
1: Which is a lie because if he never lost, he'd never have that head plate.
4: Yeah, well, but, but Wolfgang kind of. He gets the upper hand on Hogan again. He grabs that chain, wraps it around his neck, and he starts, like, drowning him, which is kind of brutal.
1: So uh, Alex tries to help. Well,
4: like, the dad tries to get up and, like, take on Wolfgang, and he just, like, throws him against the wall. Well, Alex jumps up on him, and Wolfgang tosses him, and that's when Hulk Hogan, you know, we get Wolf- He
1: tosses back. him to the ground and then kicks him across the floor.
4: Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. And
1: and by the, mystic, by the mystical power of child abuse, this is where Hulk Hogan finds the strength to take on Wolfgang.
4: Did you notice any? We get more of the flashbacks of him, like, getting beat up in the ring. Yep. But, yeah, this is when he, he manages to rally and pulls himself out of the water and he starts beating the shit out of Wolfgang.
1: <laughs> I know. I like that. And uh, he goes, you shouldn't have done that. Why not? You shouldn't hit a kid.
4: Well, he grabs the uh, the chain crane thing and wraps it around Wolfgang. And he's like, Alex. And Alex pushes the button. And for half a second, Cordell, I was like, they're going to hang the guy. But no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they just got him like hanging there on like they got it wrapped around his arms. And I like Wolfgang. He starts like cussing in German. He goes, what the hell? And Alex goes, hang out, Wolfie baby.
4: <laughs> I think that's the line where I wrote down, I really hate this kid. So
1: didn't Wolfgang like throw a knife at him?
4: Yeah, he does, because he's got like a knife, and when he gets hauled up, he's like, ah, he's still swinging it, and then he just throws it.
1: So Thanatos is like, one move, and I will destroy the chip. There's no chip in that dark brain.
4: Oh, that's when I was like rolling my eyes. I was like, "You oh,
1: lied, Fatso." Me. Oh yeah. my
4: god, I hated that dude.
1: So this hated is. It. So this is when Thanatos uh, starts beating the shit out of uh, Hulk Hogan, and it's they constant headbutts with. The...
4: <laughs> yeah, somehow you know, three hundred pound Jack Hulk Hogan can't handle it. <laughs>
1: And I love how, like, we keep getting, like, these inserts of the anatose saying shit, like, you screwed up my hair. Now, it's payback time.
4: Well, uh, Alex and his dad basically figure out, they're like, well, how can we do the help? We can make an electromagnet. So they, like, somehow MacGyver the, like, electrical equipment over on the wall to, uh.
1: The magnetic conductor, like we did to Miss Callahan. What? The nanny <laughs> with the braces.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was kinda of funny.
1: Um this is when we get like that flashback because Thanatos like knocks Hulk Hogan into some uh like foxes and we get like a flashback of him in the ring getting beat up and Hulk Hogan's like, No more. So Thanatos like puts his head down and tries to like ram him again. Well Hulk Hogan jumps out of the way and just sends his ass through a door. Like Through the wall. I like this. It's amazing. Like Hulk Hogan is like this 200 pound wrestler and yet he's being taken out by the most basic of weapons.
4: Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I can't say I really like this Cordell, but it it was mildly amusing to see him like keep getting the shit beat out of him by this dude's head.
1: My question is like, how does that not hurt Thanatos?
4: I know. He's, like, literally smacking his brain into him, right? Like, but, uh, I mean, I did laugh out loud when they get the metal pipe in and uh Thanatos gets dragged to this fucking electromagnet and literally starts spinning around.
1: Yeah, did he originally get dragged? Like, it looked like he was charging. I'm trying oh. to remember. Does Does he run towards it? I have no idea. Yeah, I think he was, like, running after, like, he was going after either Sean or Alex or something. Well, Alex goes hit the deck, and he he, uh, gets the thing going. Yeah, I guess it does pull it to him.
4: And when he's, (laughs) like, spinning around, man.
5: He's
1: like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody (laughs) stop this thing. Whoa. (laughs) And Bert's like. This is better than the 4th of July. Anybody got some. Uh, anybody got some marshmallows.
4: <laughs> and I like how it like. Sends him. Yeah, so it basically throws Thanatos. Up into the sky.
1: Yeah. it. We get like a slow-mo of him. Going through like a sky. A sky. Uh, like one like, of those. Glass sky ceilings. And he like. Doesn't just throw him into the sky. It launches his ass into space.
4: Yeah, I think he like burns up. He's, you know, he's like uh, it was that captain from Jason X. He's that guy.
1: Because all of a sudden, all the his skull plate just comes down and just falls to the ground. And Bert goes, man, really blew his top. <laughs> so I always kind of took that to assume that he went so far, fi- so high into the air, his head basically exploded. Oh, that's how you took it. Yeah. yeah. I, You know what?
4: Now I'm trying to. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. He's dead. I think we can definitively say that.
1: Yeah, there is no, there's no way to survive. Like you get thrown that high in the air, you're not. There's no survival when you come back down.
4: Mm-hmm. So we uh we cut to the next day. And uh, now explain this one to me, Cordell. Why the fuck is Bert dressed as a cop now?
1: Uh, I think he got hired on full time by. Uh, By Mr. Mason.
4: Oh, really? That's how you take it?
1: Yeah, that's how I... The only way how I take it. He's gonna... He's gonna work for Mr. Mason and get himself some Korean Nookie.
4: That's very true. But, I mean, we first cut back and, you know, uh, Kate's giving Sean her doll and she's like, I don't need it anymore. He's putting it on his bike and... We do get the immortal line Cordell raising kids is the toughest gig
1: I know. So uh he te- he tells the masons um Well, I'm re- I'm reading the Wikipedia here and it says the movie ends with Sean preparing to take a leave of absence from the masons. So like maybe I mean, he he's going he on
4: like hitting the trail.
1: Yeah, I thought he was hitting the trail, but according to this, he's just taking a leave of absence. Like, he's going to take a break and he'll come back. But he tells them, he tells the Masons that he'll see them again soon. And he's like, maybe, and Alex goes, maybe a lot sooner than you think. Bye, Sean. So Sean takes off on his bike. (laughs) And Bert's like, hey, what the heck? Because he sees like this cable. And Kate's like, we want him to stay.
4: <laughs> yeah, so they have it up to like a, a winch or whatever.
1: So the yeah, line goes that. taunt. And this basically sends Hulk Hogan flying and credits roll.
4: Yeah, we have to do the uh you know freeze frame on Hulk Hogan midair.
1: And credits roll to the song Rough Stuff. Or as I affectionately call it, you need to call your bluff, but stuff. Yeah, that's Mister Nanny. Ah, so, um, well, Luke, uh, what is your rating? Uh, big, O, high, medium, low. Uh, you go into, uh, filet your penis.
4: <laughs> well you know i mean i feel i hope we did an okay job for the listeners you know hopefully it's better than Ernest, which is an incoherent mess that no one oh should. no
1: this was definitely a lot better than Ernest.
4: no one should ever listen to that podcast um
1: and that makes me sad because that is not a bad it's a fun kids movie to watch around halloween we just didn't do a good job dissecting
4: That's because uh somebody didn't take any notes and that somebody was me
1: Oh, I thought you were about to point the finger at me. I'd be like, "Wait a minute." I
4: thought you knew that movie by heart. But yeah, Mr. Nanny. Um, I don't have too much about this one, man. I'm not so. First of all, I was impressed by Hulk Hogan, by which I mean he wasn't terrible, and some of his comedic chops I didn't think were bad. I mean, this is a cheesy, stupid. You know, there's a lot of Home Alone in here. There's a lot of uh, what was that thing with Arnold, like Kindergarten Cop? You know. Ooh. All these all these guys have done something like that. Like, you know, uh, John Cena, Dave Bautista. They do this kind of crap.
1: Now, do you want to know something funny? I was watching. Uh, so the only we, So remember how I told you a couple of episodes ago that nudie uh, had me on his uh, Plex. Uh, friend, okay. Friendship. So like he puts movies on there for like everyone to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, he put this movie on there for me. And so when you when I click on this movie on Plex, it show on Plex shows you like Rotten Tomato uh, critics. Mm -hmm. I shit you not. Every review for this movie was a splat tomato. And one person literally wrote that that uh, in compared to this, that this movie is shit and that. Sylvester Stallone's stop on my mama's shoot is a better movie
4: I haven't seen that movie so I can't really judge but oh, I mean
1: at, I at call bullshit
4: of, <laughs> at the end of the day what this movie this movie is pretty inoffensive straight to you have to treat it as the straight to VHS kind of schlock it is which I know it came out theatrically but as far as I'm concerned this is a straight to tape movie And I mean, insofar as kids entertainment, you know, throw something on in the background while you're uh, while you're babysitting, you can do worse. So. I don't know, I don't I don't have there's not a lot here, but I'll, I'll toss it a low, Cordell. It's it's all right.
1: And me, like I said, I grew up with this movie. My mom has this movie on VHS and I used to watch it all the time. Um, coming back to it, yeah, really, the only memorable parts are, like, the opening of the film, and then, like, the last 25 minutes when Hulk Hogan actually starts to do something. Um, really, the the middle of the movie is just a lot of filler, um... I guess the best way to call this movie is like a low budget home alone film. Cause that's really all what the kids do to Hulk Hogan for most of it. Um,
5: I'm going to give it a week. Uh,
1: I'm going to give it like a weak medium,
4: really a medium.
1: I'm going to give it a medium, but a weak medium. You know, not not a not just a regular medium, but like I'm more forgiving of this movie because there's a lot of nostalgia for it for me. Yeah, no, um, I like to because to me Hulk Hogan, you know, I watched this as a kid. I watched Suburban Commando as a kid. Suburban Commando, you might actually like because it's got Christopher Lloyd in it.
4: Has Hulk Hogan ever done like a more, you know, adult action movie, like, you know, does mm-hmm. Travis shoot 'em up or are they all kind of more?
1: I would have to look I would have to look at his filmography. I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, basically in like Suburban Commando, which is a comedy but played more like a space action film. You know, he's like a space warrior who crashes on Earth. Um Teams up with, uh, you know, Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Hilarity ensues. But, um, yeah, I mean, aside of his acting, you know, I had some Hulk Hogan stuff when I was a kid. I can't ever really say I was a big wrestler fan, mm-hmm. but I did like, you know, do you know like those uh pl- like those uh wrestling plushes? That they used to sell. I don't know if they still do. But they're basically like wrestling buddies. It
4: does not ring a bell.
1: So when my mom worked at Toys R Us. She got me one of those wrestling wrestling buddies. And it was Hulk Hogan and his NWO Hollywood Hulk Hogan shit. So you know. There's nostalgia for the movie. There's nostalgia for Hulk Hogan. So, yeah, I'm not going to give this a strong medium, but it's, it's a weak medium. It's like, right, it's just slightly above a low. Yeah,
4: I mean, at the at the end of the day, it's pretty harmless. You know, it's it's hard to
1: really hate
4: a kids movie, you know.
1: I disagree with that. I've seen plenty of kids movies that I'm like, wow, this is shit. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just.
5: It's 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 harmless fun, I think. Yeah, is
1: trying to basically, it. that's the best way I can put it. It's harmless fun. Um. It's good background noise. Yeah, yeah that's
4: I, what I mean, like if you have to watch kids, you could put this on, you know, with no. uh, No, big, no, nothing, uh, you know, no real harm
3: done.
5: But, uh, yeah, so
1: I'm a medium, uh, I'm a low medium, or I'm a weak medium, and you are a low. So that is Mr. Nanny.
4: Indeed it is.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight for this episode, and join us next time when we dip our toes back into the slasher genre With 1981's The Prowler.
4: I know Cordell's been jonesing to see this for a while.
1: So I will. We will see you all next time. As we uh, get ourselves into some more bloody fun. Uh, Have a good night everyone. Thanks for joining. Take it
3: easy.
2: i shack by the railroad track on the outskirts of town I'll plant a little garden and watch the flowers grow I'll tell this crazy mixed up world I just don't wanna know But if trouble comes a knockin', a lot in the I'll take that head, that him my nest and put his head right through the door they're gonna call your bruh Rough stuff The dumb get going When the going gets rough Rough stuff It won't be our bad till you had enough Rough stuff a- You ain't nothing But a powder puff Rough stuff Rough stuff Rough stuff Rough stuff No average psychotic criminal genius makes a monkey out of me I got stuff when it gets rough that you don't wanna see. You know I am a lover, Even that ain't all. I'm a wild tiger with my backs against the wall. You think that you're a hunter, and I will be okay. But your game is lost, you gotta pay the cost. I'm one cat you can't tame. Oh, Baby, gonna call me up. Rough stuff. You just keep comin'. Way in the goin' gets rough. Rough stuff. You won't be out of it till you had enough. Rough
3: stuff.
2: You ain't nothing but a powder puff. Rough
3: stuff. Rough stuff. Rough stuff. Rough stuff. Rough stuff, stuff,
2: stuff. I just wanna go fishing in the deep blue sea. I need a change from my reality. This world will beat you down, beat you with a stick. You want an ice cream pop, they give you a boot to lift. I need some time to sort out all this mess. I gotta be rough and ready when they put me to the test we gonna call your bluff, The double keeps going When it going and gets rough, stuff! It won't be over till you had enough, puff stuff! You ain't nothing but a powder puff, puff
3: stuff!